You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Are you tired of the same old tailgate games? Then get on board with the hottest game taking over parking lots near you, QB54. Go to playqb54.com and use promo code PODCAST for 20% off your order. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter and stay up to date. That's playqb54.com. Use promo code PODCAST for 20% off your order. Get in the game today. Hey, this is Kevin Kelly, the voice of Ring of Honor Wrestling, and you are listening to Three Count Thursday. You got it? Three Count Thursday. Make it happen. Stupid idiots. My belly's just a little big. My hand is just a little big. But, brother, I am bad, and they know I'm bad. I did it for The Rock. I did it for the people. You're talking to the Rolex-wearing, diamond ring-wearing, kiss-stealing, woo-wheeling-dealing, limousine-riding, jet flying son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! You just made the list. And what you gonna do, macho man, when the whole world full Hulkamaniacs destroy you? This is my yard now. Money isn't everything, it's the only thing. And everyone, everyone has a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> What's up, Three Count Thursday fans? This is Bill Neville from the New Age Insiders. Now here's Jim, Ryan, Matt, and intern Mark, your hosts of Three Count Thursday. And on this day, in this moment in time right now, this very second, I can truly say that I have the whole damn world in my hand. Let's jump right into it, Ryan. Let's bring in our special guest again from this season's Tough Enough, Daria Baronado. Daria, how are you tonight? I'm good, guys. What's going on? Oh, not too much. Uh, we got through what was a pretty nasty thunderstorm. I was afraid we were going to lose power, but everything uh, everything is now going smooth, and uh, and we're happy to have you on the show. Yeah, I heard. Where are you guys located? Uh, we're in uh, eastern Pennsylvania, near Lancaster, PA, about an hour to the west of Philadelphia. Okay, yeah, my family's in South Jersey, and they've got a massive storm, so. Yep, yep. Well, hopefully everything is okay with her as well. Uh, I don't like severe weather. I don't know how you are. I, I'm just not a fan of it. <laughs> I live in L.A. now, so I'm pretty happy with the sunshine and, and beautiful temperatures. It's a hard life. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, before, before we get into talking about Tough Enough and things like that, it's just, you know, we, all of us as, as a wrestling audience, got introduced to you, obviously, through the Tough Enough show. But give us a little bit of back, about your background uh, what kind of brought you to Tough Enough? I mean, were you a wrestling fan as a kid, or you know, I know you were. Uh, you know, you started in in MMA, but just kind of give us background on what brought you to the point where we, as a wrestling audience, got to know you. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I started off with uh, MMA. I've been fighting or training, I should say, for three years now. Uh, I'm ranked number nine as an amateur in the state of California um, by way of New Jersey, of course. And I work, uh, I do my own podcast, actually, for AfterBuzz TV, which is owned by Maria Menounos, who um, is actually uh, a wrestler herself. She has appeared at a couple WWE shows, and she hosts a show on E! News, and she's kind of been like a mentor to me. So she kind of brought this opportunity up to me and was like, oh, my God, you would be perfect for this because she's seen me fight and seen me host the show, of course. And I was like, what is it? And I, I looked into it and fell in love with this whole new world of, of WWE and pro wrestling. So uh, when I realized, you know, kind of what the WWE was and I started doing my homework and, and learning all about the sport, I fell in love. And I was like, this, this is me. I got to do this. Uh, so, so you said you're you're hosting a show on After Buzz. Um, the show is, is that the UFC show? Yeah, I host the UFC show and I do the Ultimate Fighter show normally. Okay. Um, now, what what made you audition for Tough Enough? Like, what what made you finally was like, you know what? I'm going to submit the video. So, what what made you finally do that? Uh, Maria telling me about it. She she let me know about it, and then I I did my homework and I started looking up videos of Lita and Trish Strass. And I literally fell in love with Team Besties. I was like, oh my God, this is the most badass thing I've ever seen. Um, it's, you know, I've always been an athlete my entire life, and I've always been a performer, and I host a show. So performing and athleticism combined into one is the WWE. So it was like a perfect fit for me. All right, tell us a little bit more about your training, uh, your MMA training. Where have you trained, um, and, and when did you get into that? Yeah, I started in uh, like a hole-in-the-wall gym, a small gym in New Jersey, and um, the day of my high school graduation, I packed everything in my car and drove my car to South Florida to train with American Top Team, which is one of the biggest MMA camps in the world, probably, um, under Master Laborio and with a bunch of, you know, big UFC fighters, Hector Lombard, India Gomez, and all them. Um, That's where I started, and then I moved back to New Jersey for a little while, and now I'm in L.A. training um, at Systems Training Center, and... um, I go to Black House once in a while. Very cool. So, uh, you know, growing up, you, you, were you into wrestling at all? Did you watch wrestling at all? Or was it, like, kind of later that, like, that you got in? Like, I know you said about you got introduced to it and, and Lita and Trish and stuff like that. So was wrestling ever really a part of your life when you were a younger kid? No. I, I was always into sports. I was always athletic. I always knew about wrestling but I never watched it or really watched any sports for that matter um, until I got into MMA. When I got into MMA, um, I watched wrestling a little bit more, and I always loved it, and I always thought that if MMA had more of the aspects that wrestling had, it would be even stronger of a sport, um, which was funny. So when I got this opportunity, like I said, I did my research, and I really went back and looked at the grace and the grace of the sport and literally fell in love. You know, um, everyone from Dusty Rhodes to Ric Flair and uh, – the girls and China. I, I just fell in love with the entire attitude error and what was going on in the WWE. Then I started, started watching the more current stuff and I think it's even more amazing. So um, this business kind of sold itself to me as soon as I did my research. That's awesome. Now you went through the casting process, obviously in from the last season of tough enough till now the, the, the digital world has changed so much. And this one was a, online, you know, video, YouTube-based uh, audition process. 
But once you submitted that video and, and it's out there and there's millions of people that are uh, auditioning for this, what was the process? What did, did they call you? Uh, did they, you know, how, how did they first get in contact with you to say, you know, you have been selected as part of the narrowing down process? Yeah, I think, um, so I submitted a video, and then a couple of weeks went by, and I didn't hear back, and I was like, all right, well, you know, 11,000 people did try out. So I kind of, you know, went back to work and was doing my normal schedule, and I get a phone call um, from one of the casting people saying, You're, you've made it to the top 40. And I was like, what? Like, what does this mean? And they're like, we're going to fly you to Orlando, Florida, and you're going to compete against these 40 people for top 13 slots on the show. So I, of course, was freaking out. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I told my coach and started doing, like, crazy cardio and crazy conditioning. I called my coach one day, and I was like, literally, put me through your version of hell just so I'm as prepared as I could possibly be. So my coach is like really went hard on me and got me as prepared as you can ever prepare for one of these things and shipped me off to Orlando, Florida. And then that process was a very interesting process. It was mini camp. And as you guys saw on the on special that aired, it was pretty intense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on that casting special, you know, and, and we were, uh, you know, over the course of the last couple of days, we've been going on a crash course of, of rewatching that and re, you know going through the first couple episodes of the show and on that casting special you you were opened up about your sexuality and it, was there a thought process behind that or was it just something that in in the moment in front of the the panel that it just that it just kind of slipped out or or was it something that you know you knew this was a platform and it was something that is so important to you uh to to be open about no, like, uh, as much as this is a platform and that would have been great thinking on my part, it never crossed my mind. I mean, before I left uh, Los Angeles, I talked to my girlfriend about it, and I was like, hey, if the question does come up, do you mind me being honest about us? Because at this point, only our close, close, close family members know. So she was like, no, no, do whatever you want to do. Like, be, be honest, you know? And I was like, okay, no big deal. So I never in a million years thought that it would come out in – my final interview in front of Triple H and the biggest executives at WWE. Like, never did I think that was going to happen. And they were like, you know, are you in a relationship? And in that moment, everything was kind of like replaying in my head. And I kept hearing the production people and the casting people saying, you know, you've got to put it all in line. You've got to put it all in line. You've got to let people know everything you want them to know, everything about you. You have to be honest and open. So it was in that moment, I was like, wait a second. I have to be myself, like I have to do this. And this is the time, even though it's on international television right now, like this is the time where I have to tell everybody. So it was really kind of nerve-wracking. And if you go and watch the special, like that's as legitimate as it gets. Like that was live and uh, that was real. So I, it kind of just slipped out. And thank God the support and everything has been so amazing from it. And it was probably one of the best experiences of my life going through it now. But looking back at it, it was, totally nerve-wracking so yeah i mean obviously since that moment because i i think there you do kind of see that look on your face and i think you even said it on the special um that you did just you didn't necessarily mean to say it it just kind of came out um and and has the response from people have people reached out to you at all and said you know that 
was an empowering moment for them to see that and or anything like that has has there been a reaction from people on social media to that uh to that moment yeah absolutely um i've gotten so many private messages and you know tweets and stuff saying you know you gave me the courage to come out to my mom or that was so brave what you did and just just so much love and like i said like even if there was negative backlash the love completely overpowered it like it just made this experience that much better. Um, hearing someone say that they were once afraid to come out, just just like I was, you know, four weeks ago, and then to say that they saw me and then they were able to come out, I mean, what's a better feeling in the world? I'm all about, you know, not conforming and just being who you are and being honest and being open. And this was kind of that last step in my life that was, you know, kind of solidifying all of my beliefs. Like, I've always been the one to say, don't be afraid to be who you are and, you know, don't hide yourself because you think someone's going to judge you. So that was kind of me just solidifying how I feel and what I believe in. Awesome. That is truly an awesome story. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that there had been much more positive uh, of reinforcement and, and comments for that. Um, so you get to the casting special and you, you get into the barracks. We're used to seeing tough enough as fans um, where they're living in these mansions, these big, big houses. Um, and you guys are stuck in these barracks, um, which I believe was part of the performance center. How was life in the barracks? Life in the barracks was awesome. Um, I tell everybody, I, I never got the college experience and the whole, like, dorm thing. So this was kind of that for me. And lucky for me, it was short-lived. <laughs> I didn't have to do it for four <laughs> years. So it was pretty freaking awesome. Um, obviously, there was a cockroach incident that was kind of, horrible but besides the bugs and all that kind of stuff it was it was amazing i got along with amanda in, in georgia really well and we kind of we share a room so it was like a sleepover every single night of the week it's, it's a, i wasn't even thinking about it being probably like a college experience so i'm glad you said that because i was like oh i kind of feel like these guys are getting gypped out of these nice big mansions <laughs> that, that these other competitors were in and y'all are stuck in these barracks um now, obviously, we're watching a television show. Was there really as much drama going on inside the barracks as they're portraying on TV? Oh, oh yes, there is. And there's okay. plenty of it. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely that much drama. Um, when you put, you know, 13 larger-than-life personalities to live in, I don't know, 5,000 square feet of, of barracks, it's going to get pretty heated. I mean, we're all so opinionated. We're all so different. And, um, you know... It definitely got heated at moments. Uh, that makes sense. Um, I guess my follow-up question to that is, is again, we're watching an hour program, um, and, and really we're not seeing a ton of of wrestling on, on the television shows yet. Um, we're seeing a lot of, like, specialty challenges. I think two weeks ago you guys were doing the swimming thing um, down down with the alligators. Um, and we've seen you take some bumps, um, build build character. How much wrestling and, and training is actually going on in a given week that we're not actually seeing on TV? Um, not, not very much, to be honest. They, they try to work around our schedules as much as possible and around the performance center schedule to get us in there to get us as much training as they possibly can, which okay. thank you to Billy Gunn and Lita and Booker T for really pushing to have that done because it was all them. Um, so we, we get maybe like one or two days where we get maybe like an hour, but that's all of us going one at a time. And, you know, we just get a couple minutes of training. So, we definitely haven't gotten to hone in on our wrestling skills yet, 
But the great part about the way that the WWE works is that majority of the people that they want is going to be based off of athleticism and personality, you know, courage and fear and guts and all that. So I think what they're doing is they're getting all that out of the way, picking who they want, and then they can send them to NXT for a couple years and train the crap out of them and really teach them how to wrestle before they go to the main roster. I mean, I'm not sure that that's their plan, but in my mind, that would be like the smart thing to do. Well, I think that's a a really good point uh, that maybe a lot of people haven't seen. I've seen some people like, oh, there's not a lot of wrestling on the show, and I think people are forgetting it is a reality-style show. Um, Yeah, and and you can, like, think about it. Like, we, if you're an indie wrestler, you're a really good indie wrestler. Like, I don't really think this is the right show for you because this is to find new personalities, new icons, new superstars that we can turn into the superstars. And as long as you have that athletic background, you know, you can obviously be taught anything. So okay, I, think that, I think that they see, okay, she's athletic, she's pretty, she's got a great personality, now let's teach her how to wrestle. Of course, it's hard and it's going to take a long time, but I think they're going to figure that out through the challenges, who can learn faster than others, and so on and so on. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you, you said about uh, Coach Billy Gunn. Is there is there a coach that you that you uh, enjoyed working with more than others? Is there one that was uh, harder on you with others? I know in previous seasons we've seen uh, certain coaches be kind of the drill instructor and certain uh, ones are kind of almost like a parental figure where they kind of uh, you know, make sure everybody's okay after, after the mean one kind of rolls through. Because <laughs> the, the, the way these shows are produced, it, it's a little bit – different so far than, than we've seen in the past. Is there a coach that you uh, liked working with more than others or they work well as a team? Yeah, I mean, Lita obviously is like an awesome role model and she's so talented. So anything she says, I just take like a piece of gold, you know, and me and her really got along and I think she started to understand me as, as the weeks went on and, um, you know, kind of helped me out as much as she could. Um, Billy Gunn is a sweetheart um, on and off the camera. I mean, he gets a little heated on the camera sometimes, but he's a sweetheart, and he just wants to help so much. Like, he'll really take the time to really try and make you understand every single thing you're doing, and um, he's he's a sweetheart. Booker T, I don't think he really took to me like the other two coaches. Um, he, he did a podcast where he said uh, basically that, I looked like I got in a couple fights, which I don't really know what he meant by that. But So I don't think he really took to me as well as the other two. But he's obviously, you know, a legend in his in himself. So hearing him talk was awesome as well. Sure, anytime Booker T's talking about you, it's probably not a bad, bad thing. That's <laughs> um, true. Now, unfortunately, we, uh, we, we saw you get eliminated this past Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was also on the episode, Jim, somebody had resigned. Uh, Diana had left. Diana had left. Uh, we still saw an elimination. Um, did you feel a bit slighted by that, that, that we saw somebody leave, and then we still had an elimination? And then after that, they bring in, I, be- I believe it's Chelsea Green, to replace mm-hmm. uh, the person that left. Do you feel like that should have been maybe your opportunity there to come back in the house? Is that yeah, you feel a bit I mean... slighted by that? No, they can do whatever the heck they want, you know, and I knew that signing up for this opportunity. Sure. Um, it's very unpredictable, and it's it's a journey in itself, and I don't take anything negative out of this experience, nor do I want to change anything about it. I think it was absolutely amazing, and 
um, you know, now it's just time to take what I learned and, and make something out of it. So I think it's kind of cool that I had start on, you know, starting to really train. I'm going to take some of these offers that I've gotten on, on social media and start training my butt off and working my way to the WWE. Right, very good. Yeah, you, you talk about that, and that, that kind of leads into my next question is, you know, where do you go from here? I mean, is it are you looking at wrestling schools? Are you, you know, are, are you looking at, you know, moving to Florida and trying to get, you know, into the performance center and, and work your way in there? Um, you know, is and, and is there a chance you continue to work in MMA or are you, are you completely committed to professional wrestling now? So my immediate goal is to get to the WWE. So I'm going to, um, like I said, look at the offers that I've gotten and kind of figure out what the best fit for me is and start training with who, who I think is best and work my butt off and try to get to the WWE. Now, that being said, I'm not going to stop training MMA because I think that that's only going to help me get into the WWE, and I think that that's going to add to my performance inside the WWE ring. So I'm going to keep doing both full-time. Um, I think I'm going to take some time off of work even and make some sacrifices and just focus on training because uh, this is what I want to do, and I feel like now is the time. Awesome. Now, there's a lot of really, really good wrestling schools out, outside of the WWE. Um, uh, there's plenty of options for you out there, that's for sure. Let's say in yeah. the future, we look five years down the road, Daria, you're in the WWE. What what would be your dream match? You get you get one dream match, past or present, any any diva at all. Who would be your dream match? Oh, that's such a good one. Um, I would have to say me and Paige versus Lita and Trish. Wow, that is awesome. Wouldn't that be that- awesome? That would be an incredible. That would be an incredible, <laughs> incredible match. Yeah, that would be awesome. I did not expect a tag team match. No, that, I, that's a, that's pleasantly a surprise. Yeah, because we, we've we've interviewed people before, <laughs> and nobody has ever gone the route of a, of a tag team match, which is awesome because tag team wrestling, I feel like, is there's there's not a huge market of it anymore, and and that's the first place you go is uh is is pretty cool, I think. Yeah, I, I think that gives me the best options to work with as many amazing people at once as possible. Now, it, you know, it, you're 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 pursuing being in the WWE in, in professional wrestling. Um, I know that there wasn't a huge uh, chance here. Obviously, this past week was the the um, where you had had the kind of gimmick and entrance type of uh, challenge. But if you had your choice, would you prefer to be a a uh, baby face or a heel? Oh, um, I think I would naturally migrate towards being a heel. But that is, I'm not that's awesome. <laughs> yes, it's funny that you say that. Big Jim is uh, has always popped for the heels. He's always been a heel guy. Um, I myself has, has typically been, been a face guy. Uh, we've never can agree on wrestlers. We're lifelong friends here. Uh, we can never agree on wrestlers. Um, so it's so it's interesting that you would pick, you know, the heel. And do you think your fighting background kind of gives you that that edge? Yeah, actually, do I think it does because I, if you ever watch any of my MMA fights or my matches, I'm like literally, I call myself the Jersey Devil for a reason. I turn into a devil when I get in there. Like, if you watch me walk out, you couldn't get a smile on my face if you 
I don't know if you like did anything. I'm so serious and so stone cold um, when I walk out and when I fight. So I think it only makes sense just to carry that natural passion over to the WWE and just keep with that. Uh, so I'm not sure how many more questions we have. I'd love to know who's your pick to win t- uh, tough enough. Ooh, um, who would I want to win? Who I think deserves to win is Josh for the guys. Um, he's, I think he's charismatic. I think he's likable. I think he could sell an arena one day. Um, and I think he's, you know, obviously super athletic. And then for the girls, I would be happy with either Georgia or Amanda. Okay. All right. And, uh, Matt, we're actually joined by Matt here as well on, on Twitter. He's our stat guy. He keeps us, he keeps us in line. Um, we kind of all have a running joke. Uh, he, he wants to know how awesome was it to work with the Miz? Oh, the Miz is awesome. He is, he is so cool. Like, I don't know how anybody could hate that guy. I know like that's the whole point you're supposed to hate him, but I love him. He's, he's one of my favorites for sure. That's awesome. I'm sitting here, literally, I'm staring at Ryan across the table, and because this is a long-running joke from us, I've been a Miz fan. I mean, I'm guilty pleasure is MTV Real World. I've loved the Miz since <laughs> he was on the Real World, and uh, it's carried over into the WWE. Ryan, uh, like we've said, we always fight about wrestling because maybe it is because I've always loved the heel more than the face, and uh, Ryan and I have argued this for years. So uh, you you have gotten me one up on Ryan for tonight, and that is. <laughs> And that is just incredibly awesome. I like you even more now than I did uh, than I did before. Um, is there any anything else that you want to add to this interview? Um, anything that we missed? Anything you specifically uh, wanted to talk about that we missed while we were talking to you? Uh, no, you guys did a great job. First of all, thank you for having me on. I just want to say uh, thank you to everyone out there that voted for me and tried to keep me on. Thank you for everyone that supported me. And I want to let you all know that this is just the beginning of the Jersey Devils journey. You guys can follow me at Tough Daria on uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow me at DariaB28 on Twitter. And you can follow me at Daria Baranato on all other social media. I also do my AfterBuzz UFC show every Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific time uh, live on AfterBuzzTV.com. And just for everyone out there that might be struggling with the same thing that I was four weeks ago, um, their sexuality or whatever it is, I just want to let you guys know it's always best to be real and to be yourself and to be true because there's no better feeling, um, you know, there's no better weight lifted off your shoulders than just telling the truth. So I encourage you all to just be you. Daria, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We're definitely going to keep in touch with you and and follow your journey, and uh, we sincerely hope uh, that this is not uh, the end from seeing you on WWE TV uh, we look forward to uh, continuing to be in touch, and uh, and hopefully we'll have you back on again talking about your journey to the uh, to the WWE. Definitely, guys. Thank you so much. You'll see me soon. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Have a good night. Bye-bye. We are honored and privileged to welcome into the show the NWA National Wrestling Alliance World Heavyweight Champion, Tim Storm. Tim, it is truly our honor. Welcome to Three Count Thursday. How are you? I'm doing great, James. Pleasure to be here, and I appreciate you having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Now, uh, we first met uh, back in the early 2000s, I think it was, if my memory serves correct, when you were actually uh, wrestling with the uh, Christian Wrestling Federation, which we'll talk about here more. 
um, in, in just a minute. But what year did you actually break into the business and, and where exactly? Uh, I've been wrestling now. You know, this always confuses me. And I base it on my age. And apparently I'm off a little. But I broke in about 22 years ago. Okay. Um, and it was with a guy named Bill Ash. And I was I was kind of at a point in my life where um, it, this I, I really wanted to do this. I wanted to pursue this. I didn't know I didn't really know to what degree how hard I wanted to go after it. But you know I I was at a point where I was the vice president of a company. Um, you know I had a had a very good job. I was you know had a you know house payment and two car payments and two kids and. You know, so it was just kind of a weird, a weird life change where was I willing to walk away from, you know, a, a, a good job that supported my family and, and go full bore after it? Or did I want to take a different route? And I actually contacted uh, WCW Power Plant okay. and talked to them a little bit. And then I found uh, I found a guy about, I don't know, an hour and a half from from where I was living. And that's who I ended up. That's who I ended up training with, and it was a, it was a good deal because you know I got a a very very solid psychology base. Um, you know it, the the building that we were in, and we laugh. You know a few, the few guys uh, that I work with now that I, I we laugh about it because the the roof was so low on the ring that you couldn't stand on the top rope. So I, we did nothing, we did nothing off the top rope. The mat, you know, the canvas itself was, um, it was like that very slick canvas. And there was a hole in the ceiling that, you know, if it rained, you couldn't get in there. You know, it it was just, it was an interesting place, but but Bill, Bill Ash was a very, very well-known uh, middleweight cruiserweight guy that worked for every company was successful at every company was really strong on really strong on psychology. And I, you know, a, a really good basis of that didn't really learn much of, you know, as far as like, uh, you know, there was a lot of chain wrestling. There was a lot of legitimate, like just, just shoot wrestling on the mat. Um, it, it was, it was a great experience, but maybe Three years later, when I moved to Dallas, I start. I basically retrained with another guy, and I helped teach the class. You know, train the class. Right. But I got a whole different concept where he was more of the cardio and the drills, and and his his background was with Les Thatcher, and he trained with you know Benoit and Malenko and all those guys, and it was a completely opposite of what I. The psychology wasn't strong, but because of that, I got a background where I uh, where I got both sides. And, and that's really, really helped me over the years. All right. And and how much would you say uh, the, the scene differs then to now? Say it again. How much does what differ? How, how much does like the wrestling scene, um, you know, at, at, at the kind of the independent level, uh, how much did it differ then to, to where it's at now? It, a ton. And, and from, from all angles. I mean, the wrestling scene at that point – you you almost had to be an established promoter in order to run a show. Okay. Uh, now that is not the case. At least you know here I'm I'm in uh, I'm based out of Texas, and most of the last I don't know eight or ten years has been in surrounding 
you know, it's, it's Arkansas, Tennessee, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, you know, that, that Southern area is kind of where I've done most of my work, right. you know, with trips, with trips in the Northeast and, and West and those kind of things. But most of it has been here now, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of guys out there that, uh, you know, that are running shows that are not established promoters. And, and sometimes that's good. Sometimes that that's bad. As far as the quality of the shows, an established promoter is going to have his core group of guys that he's confident in, that are well-trained and have been working, that are veterans. He's not going to use a lot of new guys. It was tough to break into on those shows. Um, and today, that's at least, you know, I see a lot of shows. I don't work a lot of shows like that, but there are a lot of shows here that that's just not the case. Um, a lot of young and experienced guys because those not established promoters don't have the uh, financing so they may spend they may spend you know the the cost on their entire card may be what those guys were paying for one guy so right and I think that's I think that's a negative to be honest with you James because I see that as you know if a wrestling fan goes to a show that is not run well and doesn't have uh, doesn't have great talent and doesn't have guys right. that look like wrestlers and dress like wrestlers and put you know perform like professionals I think that hurts our business all the way around now I don't I don't fault those guys because they're chasing their dream just like the rest of us you know I don't fault them for wanting sure. to do it you know there's a place for it it's just that you asked me how the business has changed and that's a, that's a big reason I mean that's a big way sure absolutely uh now like I said uh, I met you back in uh in the early 2000s, when the CWF uh, came up to lit its PA for for a few uh, consecutive years, um, right now, uh, you know, I, I we like I said, a few years we had seen you. Um, do you have any particularly memorable moments um, from your time with them? Oh, absolutely, and I and and to be honest, those that the core group of guys that I that I was friends with them, I'm still friends with, um, you know, APOC. Uh, Angel, mm-hmm. well, and I don't know, and, and Chris, who is now also Angel, because the, the 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 older brother ended up retiring and joining the military. Actually, right. Uh, I think I actually rem- I think I actually remember that. <laughs> yeah, he and he's you know he did a did, I don't know two or three tours overseas wow. as a helicopter pilot. Um, you know those guys, and I'm, I'm and I still talk to Rob. I mean because he's still running the CWF. I'm still friends with a lot of those guys, and. When I can, when I'm available, I still try to try to do you know do stuff with them. Matter of fact, I did something. I wrestled uh, Chris, you know, the, who became Angel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrestled Chris uh, last Friday night. That's awesome uh, for a seat for a seat up. Yeah, I mean, those guys are friends for life. Uh, we we traveled all literally all over the United States in a twelve passenger van, and you know, beat the crap out of each other. You know, in I don't know whatever thirty states for two years, and that you know that was a great experience. It's a great learning experience too. Yeah, it was fun. And I, I know there's there's still people that uh guys I work with and guys I went to school with that uh that still kind of bring up, you know, bring up those moments just because of what uh me and my friends have done uh just around here kind of on the indie scene and uh there's people that still bring up uh still bring up the CWF when they came up here. So it, it's something to kind of look back fondly on. Well, you know, here's here's something that and I, I you'll probably remember this. There was there was one year in particular that, and I'm going to, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember who all was there, but there was one year in particular that you would have thought, you know, 
it was it was an all star lineup, and I don't mean a CWF all star lineup. I mean besides our normal guys, who by then had gotten very very good and very mm-hmm. talented. Uh, not you know most people didn't know who we were, but uh, you know we also had AJ Styles, we yep. had Amazing Red, we had uh, what was it? What was the Spanish announced team? Is that what they were called? The SATs. Yes. yes. Uh, you know we we put there was there was one particular show where the the level of talent was was through the roof. I mean, and we there was some great matches. There was there was a lot of intensity. Uh, you know, it was it, that's that's a good memory. And you know, but the year before that, or maybe it was the year after that, you know, we AJ was pretty regular up there. Yeah, so, I mean, it's you know, we we always had we had a lot of talent just within our own group. But when we expanded, um, man, the shows the shows were really good. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely uh, definitely a good time. Uh, now let's transition a little bit here uh, to your time with uh, NWA, and I know you worked with uh, some of their uh, regional uh, kind of affiliate uh, federations. What around what year do you remember? Um, you know that that first starting for you. This is I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is probably my fifth, fourth, or fifth year somewhere in there where you know I've wrestled four NWA shows for a long time off and on, but about four, five, six years ago, I just I decided to make that my priority. Not, you know, I grew up an NWA fan mm-hmm. and I remember I was telling, I was telling somebody recently that I can remember the first year I was in the wrestling business. Um, and I, I trained in Arkansas and Arkansas did not have a ton of shows. The guy that I trained, that trained me would have, you know, would, would run, he'd have spells where he'd run monthly and then maybe not run for six months. And in, during one of those dry spells, I went up uh, in the hills of Arkansas in this, you know, this is, you know, fairly normal independent wrestling in some areas, but at some gym in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, I remember that, that they were calling themselves, um, NWA mid South. And I can't tell you as a first year wrestler, how excited I was. I didn't care what the ring looked like. I didn't care how big the crowd was because I was wrestling for the NWA. And that was my first year in the business. And I was just, I was, I was so excited. So, about five years ago, I had the opportunity to kind of become more involved. Um, I helped book at kind of my home base is, is uh, Texoma Championship Wrestling. Okay. And it was NWA Texoma for a long time. And because of that, I got really involved uh, with our show. And because of that, started doing a lot of NWAs and just kind of just made it my priority. And, I, you know, just because of the history because of the the fan, you know the the, the legacy of, sure. of the NWA. Yeah. I I'm just I wanted to do. I remember thinking I I'll, I want to do anything I can to to bring this back and and make it prominent. And I, I knew we had we had a chance. Uh, they had just changed ownerships, and this you know this was again five or six years ago. So I was excited about the opportunity to do that. Um, and 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 for and it, for me personally, it worked out great. I, I, I held the NWA North America twice wrestled, you know, all over the country and got a lot of great exposure and opportunities. And, and, you know, you can't get enough in ring. You can't, you can't have enough matches because every one of them is a learning experience. So, you know, with that, it it just, just nothing but beneficial for me. Awesome. Now, earlier this year, Billy Corgan purchased the NWA and, and has kind of made some plans known, I think, in about the last month or so about the direction of the company. Uh, one of those is that moving forward, he wants the NWA to operate kind of as one big company as opposed to his regional um, affiliations. Is there is there any information that 
uh, that you n- know that uh, about the relaunch that, that you can kind of fill us in on or maybe some things that uh, people can kind of uh, look out for on, on social media and things in the in the coming months that uh, about this kind of relaunch and, and kind of rebuild the brand, so to speak? Well, I, I can tell you a couple things that I think are, just, are exciting news. First off, let me I'm ex- I'm really really excited to be a part of it because truthfully when when the change in ownership happened you know it's not un- it's not unusual in wrestling when something like that happens that they you know they they're more comfortable with the people they know and all those kind of things and I didn't know where I was going to stand on that sure so to to still to to still be representing the NWA as their world champion is 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 amazing for me and I couldn't ask for a better uh, reception and the way that they've my, my big concern was do they have the same respect and the same uh, just all of of the lineage of the of the, the NWA and the world title as as I did and what I found out pretty quickly is absolutely they do um, that's awesome a couple of, a couple of things that that the Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana have said kind of moving forward they've said that First off, that there, the Billy came out and said he's got a 20-year plan. And a lot of people looked at that and just kind of shook their heads. They went, what are you talking about, a 20-year plan? How, you know, that's, how do you even you know, start that? Well, what he's done is he believes in the history of the NWA. He believes in the, in the history of the world title because that's really what, what he bought. Right. And the way he's approaching it is, and the reason he said a 20-year plan, is it's, he says it's going to be a slow rollout. Because what, what, and this is me, not him, what we've seen in the past, is guys come out and they've got this, they're going to do this, these great things and they're super excited about it. They're going to blow everybody out of the water. They have two or three great shows and all of a sudden they just blew through their money and mm-hmm. they're done. Right. And, and what, you know, what, what, what Billy and Dave and those guys want to do, or what they're going to do is they, they want a slow rollout and that's what they've done. It's going to be a slow build wherever it ends up going. And I don't know, I don't know where it's going to go. Um, I just know they're going to be successful. And, so that's number one. Number two is they've, they've come out recently on a couple of different announcements and said that sometime in the spring of 2018, there will be some type of, of weekly television show or weekly show, I'm not going to say television, that's going to be presented on media outlets. Okay. Now, I don't know how, I don't know how that's going to present itself. Um, I know that they are very, very tech savvy. They're looking at this from a whole different perspective. And... They realize the value way more than than my te- my technical experience and knowledge. They realize the the value of all the different media outlets, and their thing is they would rather have a free online show with fifty thousand or you know five hundred thousand viewers than they would to have a pay per view show with five thousand viewers. That they that okay. they realize they need to reintroduce the product to as many people as they can. So it's going to be a slow rollout. I know that I'm excited about whatever, whatever my role will be at that point. And I don't, you know, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to hang on to this title as long as I can, because it's the, it's the most important thing I've ever done in wrestling. Right. Um, and then the third thing, part of their rollout, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've seen any of it, but part of their rollout is they've started. Um, it's called 10 pounds of gold. And it's, it's basically a, current following of what's happening with the world title. Um, and I, I have just, I have just been in awe of the quality of the production. It's amazing. It's so good. They're usually five or six minute segments. Um, 
they started with just introducing who I was, then they've moved on. We've done, you know, we're, we're, we're doing, um, pro wrestling of Hollywood, which is, you know, great production quality, a great, great, uh, atmosphere out there. So they've re- reintroduced the NWA slowly and every week they're coming out with multiple segments and multiple, you know, different things that are going on. And it's been, it's been fantastic. I've been so impressed with the quality of the work. It's, it's, it's really good. Yeah. I've picked up on a couple of those and, and, you know, it's, it's been, it's been awesome to see, um, you know, obviously knowing because of you, uh, you know, you know, holding the championship and, um, you know, having that connection to it, uh, for, for me, from a personal standpoint, um, and, and just knowing that, you know, that for, for years, a lot of people have kind of labeled the NWA as a dead brand and, and, and utilizing social media and u- utilizing, um, you know, things online for, for people just to, uh, get attached because every wrestling fan, whether, um, they, they, you know, really know the full history or not, they know what the NWA is and they know what that title is. So that's going to grab people's attention. And, and I think it's, it's great. And it's kind of fighting that, uh, fighting that mindset that the NWA is a dead brand and, and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a process. Right. And, you know, I said way before this, way before this purchase happened, I, people would say, you know, what, what do you say when people say that the NWA is, is down? And, and I have always, you know, I traveled, I traveled almost to, to most of the affiliates and, and wrestled their top guy in every one and watched and saw a lot of different shows. And I'll tell you that what I would always argue with people is the, what the NWA was there the whole time. What it was lacking was a media outlet to show the quality of, of the people that represented the NWA. Okay. Now, you know, as the other thing I hope that I always heard, and I always kind of shake my head a little bit at this one. They would, they, everybody would say, well, you know, the NWA is not, not what it used to be. But my retort to that would be, I don't think <laughs> professional wrestling is not what it used to be. And there, now there's a whole generation of people who are not aware of what it used to be. So they accept the wrestling, what it is, and they love it. And that's great. No problem with that. But those of us who grew up watching a different type of wrestling, um, you know, a more physical style, less talk, more action, you know, that wrestling the guys who presented that are are retired or many of them are no longer with us. And and once those guys stopped stepping in the ring, wrestling changed because they were that good. And it doesn't mean that there aren't talented guys now. There are. There are amazingly amazing talents out there. But that that time in wrestling, if you go through the list of those guys, and many of them were NWA champions, if you go through the list of those guys, they're possibly that may have been the best time of wrestling ever. And most of those guys represented the NWA. You take those guys out of wrestling, yes, wrestling is going to change. It did change. It's not what it was because those guys are gone. Now, that doesn't mean what we've got today isn't good. It's just different. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even even decade by decade. I mean, it, 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 there's been a dramatic change, you know, from where we are in 2017 to 2007 to 1997. Uh, you know, even, right. even from the time I was – you know, twelve years old to thirty-two years old, the the business has changed a lot. So you know, we can't we can't ever kind of predict that sort of a thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it you know, brands are there, and like you said, I mean, it, it's you know, the those rosters, those guys that paved the way, will stand up to to any roster anywhere. Well, I mean, if and I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to challenge my memory and go through this, but if you go through and you say, you know, Holly Race, Ric Flair, all of those guys, Sting, Steamboat. Um, go through the tag guys, you know, the, the, the midnight express, uh, the road warriors, 
uh, Tully and R and all the four horsemen, Lex Luke, go through that whole list. Mm-hmm. And those are, you know, and I'm not, all of those guys have different levels of talent. I'm not, I'm not comparing talent to talent, but go through that list of names. And those guys, in my opinion, will not only stand up, but surpass most of the list of names you can put together now. Um, you know, like you said, decade to get, decade, if you go back 10 years ago or, or 15 years ago and you compare the top guys then, those guys are legends now. I mean, even, even uh, you know, on, on TV now, every, every year at, uh, at WrestleMania, they're bringing back those guys from 15 years ago because they need that pop to get the viewers back in. So, I mean, every, every decade, rec- you know, wrestling continues to change and the product continues to change. Again, doesn't mean, and, and you'll hear me use this term just in general about my wrestling, but, you know, uh, I won't drop names, but I heard a guy one time, talk, you know, at a, just, he said, you know, wrestling is like ice cream. He goes, here, you know, I'm going to tell you, here's how I would do this, or here's what I like, mm-hmm. because that's my favorite flavor of ice cream. But there are a whole lot of different flavors. It doesn't mean my, my flavor is right or wrong. It just means it's the way I'd like to see it done. And, and that's the way I look at wrestling. You know, I have, a, I have my style of wrestling, and some people love it. Well, you know what? Some people have a different flavor that they like better, and, and that's okay for all of us. You know, because if we all like the same thing, it's, we're pretty limited in what's going to be out there. You know, so, you know, it's okay. Sure. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, we we've uh, we talk about that you know, on a regular basis. I mean, you know, when you go around even to different companies in in you know the Northeast Mid Atlantic area where we are, there's there's different styles. Um, you know, and a company that that uh, is running this Saturday in in a in a place about ten minutes from here is a lot different than one that uh, you know one, our our producer and I went to last weekend down near Philadelphia and, and vice versa. Like, I mean, it's. It's it's a thing where um, you know there's different styles and there there is different flavors and you know I like this I like a little bit of this and a little bit of that and you know you may like you know the majority of that you know so uh, yeah I think that, I think the kind of ice cream analogy is is about the perfect way to uh, to put it now Tim uh, this year uh, you checked in I believe at number one fifty nine in the uh, PWI five hundred rankings which is up. Uh, I, if my uh, if my math is correct and my research is correct, eighty five spots. Um, I'd imagine that 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 probably feels pretty good uh, to continue to climb that list. It you know it does. Um, that's that's not what I, you know, that's not what I hang my my hat on. I guess uh, it's always always a pleasure and an honor to be recognized in any way, mm-hmm. in a positive way, right? I mean that's always great. And, and I'm, 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 I'm guessing that may be the highest I've ever been. I don't know. And I remember the first year, I don't, it's been a while, but the first year that I made that list, I was just, that was the greatest thing ever. You know, I made, right. I made the top 500 wrestlers in the world. That's a great thing. Right. And to say, okay, 150, that is, that's, that's a great recognition. Uh, you know, those guys work really hard and I know I had, I was very, very blessed to have a feature in the magazine, uh, recently, I don't know, two or three, four months ago. Uh, but you know, there, there is a lot of, uh, subjectivity to how that's chosen. And, sure. you know, I, I would never get into a debate about, okay, well, you know, this, let's go through the top 20 and see who we agree and disagree with. <laughs> I, I couldn't get into that. You know, I couldn't get into that. So to be on that list is fantastic. To be recognized is fantastic. Um, you know, I would never debate anybody, anybody anywhere about where I should be on that list because, you know, there's a lot of great talented guys out there. I think I think solely because I'm the NWA world world's champion, um, you know that carried that that made a lot of difference. You know that carried a lot of weight with it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I it absolutely has to. And yeah, in terms of uh, you know arguing, there's I've always seen little debates on on Facebook or Twitter and things that you know when it comes out, oh, this guy should have been one, or this guy shouldn't be this high. And uh, I think last year Roman Reigns was number one, and so many people were like, "There's no way you should be there." But it's like, how how would you rank it versus how would uh, person B, C, D, and E rank it? So. Uh, yeah, there's there's subjectivity, and it, and it comes down to kind of that that whole ice cream mentality. Is you know, yeah. is is butter pecan the the best flavor? Well, I can't judge the best, but I know what I like the best, and and you know, it may not be butter pecan. <laughs> right, absolutely, and, and that's that's I think that's the key. And, and you know, as long as they, as long as the people who are doing that list are consistent, who are we to say? You know, again, I'm just I'm just uh, honored to be on that list somewhere. All right now, Tim, uh, you you've kind of seemingly almost found uh, what what some people might call like the pro wrestling fountain of youth, so to speak. Um, are there are there like any secrets to uh, to your success? And 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 you know, over the last couple of years, I mean, you know, I I know from from the time that that you know I first met you uh, till now. I mean, you you've seemingly only gotten younger and, and better uh, in in that time. Well, I I, I hope. I hope that I've gotten better and that I would continue to get better just because I, I really take a lot of pride in, you know, and how hard I work and, and, you know, my, my work in the ring, uh, as far as how, how I've done it, I'm just, it's what I tell people all the time. It, it really is all about consistency. Um, I remember at one point in my life, you know, convincing myself that, you know, certain diets and certain things just didn't work for me anymore. And, I think when we met, I had lost some weight. I might have been in the 270 range, but you know, at one point I was at 320, okay. and I had convinced myself that those things, things just didn't work anymore because my metabolism had changed, et cetera, et cetera. But the truth is, if you're willing to pay the price, if you're willing to work hard enough, and you're consistent with it, you can you can make your body do a lot of things. Um, so I just I try to be very consistent with how often I'm in the gym, which is way too much. Uh, how, you know, how much cardio I do, I, my biggest problem is I love to eat and, you know, that's always a challenge for right. me and it will be forever. But, uh, you know, I, and I, and I appreciate when people say that I found the fountain of, of youth, my, my body tells me something completely different, uh, almost every, every weekend, you know, on my way home, <laughs> uh, the biggest, the biggest challenge that I find is that it, you know, the, the injuries, stay longer. It takes, it takes longer to heal. It takes longer to, for the soreness to go away. It, you know, all those kind of things. That's, that's the biggest challenge. Um, you know, what I, I believe that I work smarter now than I ever have. Um, but I also know I can pretty much do everything in the ring today that I could do 20 years ago, maybe better. No, I know better than I could 20 years ago, but you know, if, if, if you get banged up and you get dinged up, which is just part of the business, um, the recovery time, is longer. You know, I could work, I could work uh, a week of five or six matches and be, you know, take a couple of days rest, go to the gym, feel good and be right back at it the next week. Uh, and feel like nothing, nothing's going on now. If I have, and I work a very physical style just in general, and that may be because of my size. So, but, uh, you know, if I work, if I have a, a weekend where I work three or four matches, you know, the week, the, the first part of the, of the week's going to be pretty miserable for me until I, until I work everything out. So, you know that's the biggest thing. I don't know I, I, if I, if there's a fountain of youth out there. I'm still looking for. 
Uh, Tim, it, you're you know kind of looking in the uh, in the short term kind of crystal ball. Um, what what would you say is maybe the your your biggest goal uh, for 2018? Is it is it just this the, the relaunch of the uh, NWA brand and, and making that as important and as big as possible, or or what what is your maybe primary goal uh, in the next year? My focus is is very singular. Um, I'm going to do everything within whatever power I have, whatever role that is to help make the NWA successful. And it's a team effort. Um, you know, no one person, no one person's going to take it and make it work. But the team that, that Billy Corgan, that Dave Lagana, that those guys are putting together, I'm telling you, it's going to be something special and it's going to offer a product out there that's going to be different. And it's going to be, a different style. I think it's going to be great for everybody that's a wrestling fan and for wrestlers because we all, you know, everybody needs an alternative out there. Um, you know, I want to be, I, I made a statement on one of those, uh, one of the, you know, the, the, the series that we talked about is called 10 pounds mm-hmm. gold. And right now I think there's three episodes. There's a mission statement. There's a lot of different things out there. And, you know, I make a statement at the end of the second one. And, and by the way, this, it, this is all basically it's, it's non-scripted. It's just us talking. Uh, but I make a statement on there that, you know, the question was, what do you tell people that say, you know, you're, you're too old? And, and my, my, my answer to that is, you know, and I don't want to give you the whole age is just a number thing, because if you work hard enough, you can compete. But, but I will say that, you know, I will continue to work hard in and out of the ring. Uh, I'll do everything I can to represent the NWA in a positive way uh, and do anything I can to make, make it successful. And I hope that, you know, I'm NWA world champion two years from now. You know, so if my body holds up and I can still compete at a level that is acceptable to me, which is I, I expect I have a, high, a lot of high expectations for myself, then I will continue to do that. Um, you know, if at some point between now and two years from now, I, I lose that title to someone who's who turns, you know, he's a better, better wrestler than me, then I'm going to still do whatever I can to make that successful because I believe in the brand. I believe in the, in the NWA and I, I believe in uh, Billy Corgan, and Dave Lagana and, I'll do everything I can to make that successful, whatever whatever that takes. That's awesome, Tim. It, it, it's been uh, it's been fun getting to ca- catch up with you here a little bit. Um, let people know uh, where they can follow you, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, anything like that, and and keep track of of what uh, what seems to be an exciting uh, twenty eighteen and beyond uh, for you and for uh, the NWA. Well, I've got a, I've got a couple. Number one, uh, Tim Storm NWA is my Twitter. Uh, I would I would highly recommend everybody going out there and find the NWA and and subscribing to that to that website because the things that are being produced the quality of the material uh, you know I I have a title defense in less than two weeks uh, against Nick Aldis uh, you know who was Magnum with TNA who is an incredibly talented guy um, in in Los Angeles I've got a title defense out there. And, and this, the features on 10 pounds of gold are highlighting all of those things and showing us how we're, you know, how we're getting ready in the buildup for that match. That's great. Tim storm on, on Facebook is always, uh, is always there. And that's actually where I do a lot of my stuff, but you know, any, anytime anybody wants to, to check any of those things out, I would love for them to, but man, I really want to encourage everybody to, to, to subscribe to that NWA account because man, it's, it's good stuff. All right, Tim, uh, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. I hope that uh, at some point 
uh, our paths can cross again. Uh, like I said, it was an honor getting to meet you and, and the whole CWF crew uh, years ago. But, uh, you know, it's been fun following your career now, and uh, and hopefully we'll be able to, uh, to meet up on the road somewhere. I hope so. And, and as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. All right. Thanks a lot. Sick of being the last person to discover a trend? Then lead the charge with the hottest game sweeping tailgates, QB54. Head to playqb54.com and use promo code PODCAST for 20% off your order. Keep up to date with them on social media as well. Again, that is playqb54.com. Use promo code PODCAST for 20% off your order. Get in the game today. Let's not keep him waiting any longer. Current LCW heavyweight champion, the Red Scorpion. Welcome into the show tonight. How are you? Thank you very much for having me. It is, it is our honor. And, uh, you know, we've, we've come to know you over the last couple months, and, uh, and it's been our pleasure. Ryan, take it, take it away. Absolutely. Uh, thank you again so much for joining us. It's been something that we've wanted to since we've uh, started at LCW to sit down and talk with you. Because um, I just I imagine having some really good stories to tell. Uh, so absolutely our honor for, for you joining us tonight. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. All right. So uh, starting off, we'll just kind of get a little bit of background about you. Uh, were you a wrestling fan growing up? And, and what really attracted you into the wrestling business? Well, I, I was a wrestling fan, most definitely. But I'm, I was real with myself, knowing that, um, you know, I was kind of like a runt growing up. You know, I was a small kid, um, but I had a lot of heart. And I had to earn and fight for everything. So one of the things that I did was, you know, I got into, uh, you know, exercising and weightlifting at a very, very young age. I mean, I had a six-pack for as long as I can remember. I kid you not. So, you know, one of the, the wrestlers that I was really drawn to as a kid was the Ultimate Warrior. You know, I, I, I love the energy that he brought to the stage. And, and I mean, I, he was so motivating about how crazy his promos may have been because, you know what, it was all about his delivery. And he was speaking to me, you know, and, and, and that's, that really um, – inspired me. And, you know, again, I was small, man. I, I, I never thought I'd ever be a professional wrestler. Um, I played football, and I did wrestle. And when I started wrestling in high school, it was, it was mainly just to stay in shape for football, but I fell in love with it. And as a result, you know, well, actually, why I fell in love with it was actually because there's no one else to blame but yourself. And if you get beat, you know why? Because you were either outskilled or, or maybe your conditioning wasn't the best. But, you know, there was always, you know, you could only blame yourself. And, and that's what I really liked about wrestling. Now, I, like I said, I was weight training my, I kid you not, I, I threw shot put and discus in junior high because I found out you could, you know, they, they worked out and you could lift weights. So I was like, I was all about that. Um, I was always very, very competitive. Now, I started off in bodybuilding. And I really excelled. And, and believe it or not, despite what people may think, 
bodybuilding is not a tall guy sport. It's, it's just not. Um, you excel better if you're actually shorter. Uh, my last show that I did, I did the IFBB North American, and I placed like uh, 18th, which was not where I was hoping to place, but I was judged fairly, and I looked the best I've ever looked. Now, this was a national show for a pro card. Um, okay. So I competed against guys from all across the, the United States, Canada even, and um, Puerto Rico for that matter, in my weight class. And believe it or not, I was like one of the taller guys there. <laughs> so, and I weighed in around 214 at that show. Now, <clears throat> I have a good friend of mine. His name's Jay Diesel. And he, he wrestles for Ring of Honor. And I was going to school full-time at, um, at the time. Uh, just a little background of my education I have a bachelor's degree in biology, I minored in chemistry, and I have a certificate from Pennsylvania College of Health Sciences in medical laboratory science. So, you know, it's probably not what you would think by just looking at me or even listening to me, but um, I have a, you know, I worked very hard in school, and I didn't have the time to commit like he, he did uh, to training and stuff like that at first. So what I told him, and I remember sitting there, and we were, we were at a show. It was an independent promotion from, you know, the Lancaster area. It was called the Susquehanna Wrestling Organization, SWO. And the headliner for that night was Nikolai Volkov against Joseph Von Schmidt. Okay. <laughs> Joseph Von Schmidt. I just had a match against him. And I tell you what, it was like, um, you know, after watching that, I was like, oh, we could, we could do this. But, you know, it really wasn't that grand. You know, it was – it's a small promotion, you know, not much uh, money behind the promotion uh, or uh, the production end of it, you know, so it, it was what it was. And, um, but he was game, and, and, and I give Diesel a lot of credit because he's a man-driven, and, um, you know, everything that he said he wanted to do in this world, he has done, and, and then some. Like, he, you know, he works very hard. And so... Part of our deal was we actually chose our names right there sitting in our seats in the front row, believe it or not, then. And when he told me Jay Diesel, I thought he was crazy. I'm like, Jay Diesel? How freaking Jay? Because, you know, Jay Cutler was actually the Mr. Olympia at the time, and I just thought that was just ridiculous because I still think it's somewhat ridiculous, but <laughs> that was his name. And in the bodybuilding forums and stuff, I was I, – I couldn't think of a name back then. This was, we're talking 04, 05. And I'm thinking to myself, well, um, when I was in the bodybuilding forums, that is, um, when I was very heavily, you know, uh, competing in, in bodybuilding, but I, I, I was the Red Scorpion. And so that's what I said. And here we are today. He's Jay Diesel. I'm the Red Scorpion. But it, was, it wasn't until his first match. He debuted. I forget what the date was. You can look it up on um, YouTube, but you'll, you'll, if you find um, Jay Diesel's debut. And... Um, he, he wrestled a guy named the uh, Dark, Dark Shadow at the time, and, and the ECW original hat guy was the manager. And so, you know, it was the biggest show SWO has ever had because he sold like a million tickets, you know, because he was debuting and stuff like that. So they had probably the biggest turnout they've ever had. And um, I'm sitting in the front row seat, and at the end of the match, Dark Shadow started beating him with a chair. And, I mean, he was he was – you know, he was, he was hitting them hard. And, um, 
and I have all my friends sitting around, all our friends sitting around me, and they're, they're whispering in my ear, and they're telling me, you know, they're getting me kind of riled up. You want to let them do that to your best friend? You want to let them do that to your boy? And, and so all of a sudden, his dad hits the guy with a cane. And I'm like, oh, I don't think that was part of the show. And so Dark Shadow walks by me. He drops the chair in front of me. They get in the aisle, and they're still mouthing off to, to Jay Diesel. And so I pick this chair up now, okay? I get in the aisle, and I say, you better get out of here. And I put that chair up like I'm going to swat him with it. I, I say, you better get out of here. And, and, and the hat guy goes, that's one of Jay Diesel's boys. We better get the heck out of here. And they start taking off down the ramp, and I'm chasing after them. They make their way through the curtain, and I throw the chair down, and I start pounding my chest, and I'm saying, I got your back. I got your back. Now, I stole his thunder there for a second. I did. But I tell you, it was the, the roar of the crowd and the cheer of the fans that really, that's what did it for me. That was, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. That, that's what did it, is why I am doing what I'm doing right now and wrestling as the Red Scorpion. That was it. It was the fans, really. I got that, that was small kind of, taste, and that, and that was I was hooked. All right, so that was your that was kind of your coming out moment, your your yeah. your very first debut. Um, right, and it, and it wasn't even planned. It was you know it wasn't planned. It was not part of the show, so you know it was what it was. I wouldn't recommend anybody your own path, doing right? that. Right, right, <laughs> right. Um, so, so we all know that, that wrestling uh, takes, takes a lot of training. Um, where have you actually uh, trained to be a wrestler for your wrestling career? Um, and your first official match, do you remember who your first match was uh, actually against? And what promotion was that, was that for him? Oh, yes. Well, it was, it was the SWO, um, and that was run under Wolfman Dudley Baker. Um, according to Bill Wiles from the Monster Factory, where also I trained, he was the sweep it up. Can I cuss on here? Am sure, I sure. Okay, he, sure. Was, he was a sweep-it-up asshole guy, according to Bill Wilds um, from the Monster Factory, who, who I, I spoke about, you know, I spoke about who trained me, and he was like, oh, that was the guy that did the ring rental. He, he was a sweep-it-up asshole guy. And I was like, ah, I guess so. So um, anyway, <laughs> so I was trained under Wolfman Dudley Baker at 2565 Spring Rally Road in York, Pennsylvania. And um, it was in a barn. And I'll tell you, it was, you know, in the, in the summertime, it was hot as hell. And that, I kind of started that spring, it was. And I remember, I, I tell you, I was thrown in with the wolves. It was like I learned how to lock up, do a little bit of chain. I tell you what, I, after my first day of training, that is, I left that ring with a whole new respect for professional wrestlers because I kid you not, I left with a concussion, man. Those butt bumps, back bumps, face bumps, lip bumps, handstand bumps, I mean, it was something very new. It's not natural to just allow yourself to fall backwards or forward, for that matter. You always want to brace yourself. But here in the sport of professional wrestling, everything is so technical. And a lot of the fans think they can just, you know, jump in a ring and grab the an arm and, or, or, or even, take, you know, hit a guy with a suplex. And, and there's so much... You know, so much behind it than just that. It, it really is. It's so technical, hand placement, feet positioning, face. One of the things, again, when I started at the Wolf Den was I was an amateur wrestler, and I was very strong and quick. And 
I was always, they were always told me, you got to stand up, show off your physique, stand up. But I was always so used to crouching down and, and, and you know, wrestling like that, that I had, you know, I had to learn that. And it was really hard. You know, in football, they always said low man wins. So, and trust me, I'm very low to the ground. <laughs> so, <laughs> according to Schnitzky, anyway, who called me a midget at the last show, but we're going we're gonna to let that one slide. Well, I mean, but, um, Jim, Jim, you're, what, 6'3"? Yeah, I'm 6'3". And, and you look up to Snitsky. I mean, yeah. Snitsky's, Snitsky's a big, big boy. Oh, yeah, Snitsky's a, a, enormous. I, I remember uh, the match that we had, and um, I'm breaking kayfabe here, but he's like, uh, you got to choke me with your foot. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I could barely get my foot on a top turnbuckle, let alone your throat. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It, just was, it was so funny. I'm like, you know. I ended up hitting him with a with a drop kick in the corner after I dropped him to the ground. I had to chop him down to my side, you know. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah. So so I started off at the, at the Wolf Den, and um, <clears throat> like I said, I, I had a, a newfound respect for professional wrestlers, and um, I was I my first match actually I debuted October twenty ninth, two thousand and eleven. I still have the ticket stub on my refrigerator, and um. Not that I had to buy a ticket, but for some odd reason, I have a ticket stub. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, but I debuted that 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 night, and um, I I competed. My last bodybuilding show was September second, two thousand and eleven, and that's the the show I told you about. Uh, the IFBB North American, and um, my the match was actually me and Jay Diesel tagging up against Tony the Tiger Mask, and it happened to be Darker Shadow, which was like Dark Shadow's cousin or some something something weird like that. I don't know, but um, yeah, funny how ironic that just turns out. But um, but yeah, that was my that was our first match, and you know, after looking back at that um at the tape because uh I shouldn't say tape, but uh whatever I I we we recorded it and I, and I I put it on YouTube, and if you go to my YouTube channel, just type in the Red Scorpion, comma, Mark Hazel, you can see the evolution of the Red Scorpion from day one. Now, I've gotten a little lazy as of late and haven't been able to upload some more recent videos, but, um, but you can really see that transition. But I remember going back and watching that, that video, and, I mean, I, I tell you, I watch it over and over. And I think that to all inspiring wrestlers out there, I think that is the best tool is to record your matches and go back and watch them because – you'll be surprised at things that, you know, you'll, you'll be able to pick up on things, like things that look good or maybe not good or, or things you did and you can now improve upon. And, and I think that's a, a great tool. But I remember looking back at that, thinking to myself, man, we're pretty awesome. You know, and I look back today and I look at it like, damn, we suck. We had no <laughs> charisma, no nothing. We, we were just a bunch of big guys doing moves, you know what I mean? And, and I tell you what, Tony the Tiger Mask, and you guys are you know of him because he wrestles at LCW as well. He made that match. If it wasn't for him, that match would have sucked balls. It really would have because <laughs> he really put us over. I mean, I you know I had no idea. You know when we go into these matches, people think you know they're all choreographed and we have every spot and everything you know uh, written out. And and it really wasn't like that. It's kind of like you know. Um, you know, it's just basically like as a face, you just listen. And I remember going out there, we just started off with a lockup and some chain. And I put him in a, a hammer lock. 
and he's screaming bloody murder. And I'm just holding his arm behind it. I'm thinking, wow, this is pretty freaking cool. And he's just screaming, ah, ah, you know, reaching for the ropes. And I'm just cranking on it. And he's screaming bloody murder. I'm like, I'm not even doing anything. This is awesome. You know, so later on in the match, though, um, you know, uh, it, it it was like it was like you know he 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 was you know he's a gimmick wrestler and was really able to bring out his the gimmick Tony the Tiger match. He's not just a wrestler in an outfit in a tiger outfit, but he is that character. His moves are scratching, and he raked my back. I mean, he raked my back. And now he didn't literally rake it, but he raked my back. You know, and it was just <laughs> it was it was so much fun and and and. I remember hitting him with a – I Irish whipped him, and I had no idea what he was going to do, and he, and he came out at me, walked out. I'm like, oh, shit. So I put him in a, a sidewalk slam. You know, I, I positioned my arms and stuff, and I swung him around, and you could hear Jay Diesel's girlfriend on there. Um, her name's Brenda, and she's like, swing that kitty, and I dropped him. And, of course, the kids didn't like it. You know, the, the one, one of my uh, girlfriend's uh, coworkers' uh, son – didn't like it too. He liked the kitty. He liked the the cat, you know, because he reminded him of Tony the Tiger or whatever. But uh, you know, but it was so much fun. And and um, and I tell you, you know, it's it's like, you know, you want to get better and better. So every match is a learning experience. And, and I've I've never been in a, a ring ever and not learned something. You know, no matter who I work or where I've worked, I mean, it could be the smallest fed. And at the SWO, man, I could stand on that second turnbuckle, and my, as short as I am, my head be in the ceiling. So, <laughs> trust me, I, I didn't grow wings until very late, and that's probably why I'm not, uh, I'm very grounded as a wrestler. Um, I'd like to more so incorporate a more hybrid of a style where I, I can, because I am athletic, and I don't always get to show that off. But <clears throat> some of the other places that I trained was uh, Fort Noxious under, um, Rob Noxious, and I would go there on Sundays. He, he starts really early, but uh, I tell you what, he, he, was, he was like a great father figure to me in a sense that he never sugarcoated anything. You know, uh, I'd have a match, and I'd always get his construction criticism, and he would give it to me straight. You know, he, he okay. saw, and he, he's admitted to this, where he's, he has seen people blow smoke up my ass just because they know I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm considered a draw based on the physical appearance that I portray and that I display and, and my character in itself. But maybe the wrestling wasn't all that great, and he would let me know that, you know, or he would let me know what I did well and what I didn't do well. Now, I then later went to um, the Monster Factory. You know, um, I remember there was a, a young man, and he, he just actually recently uh, – found himself into some trouble, but there was a wrestler actually at Monster Factory at the time who had um, said something, I guess, or, or I don't, maybe I shouldn't put it like that. Maybe I should just say that I, I understand Danny Cage was interested in bringing myself in to work with Grey Wolf as a tag team. Now, at SWO, we worked a, a while, a long while as, as a feud. You know, we were, you know, um, adversaries for, for a good long while. Um, he crushed my scorpion. I mean, you should have saw that. Yeah, he crushed my scorpion. We actually, uh, for that, for that um, gimmick, we, uh, I put up, I, I got some of my neighbor's peanuts, and I colored them black, and I stuck them in a bag that he squished. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But um, okay. unreal. And for people right, that don't right, know, right. I mean, the red scorpion isn't just like your name gimmick. Like you actually bring scorpions with you. That's right. That's right. They're my blackened terrors, I call them. And I actually paint them. Yeah, I, I paint them with like an oil-based um, Sharpie. And um, how I came up with that was even, um, I remember <clears throat> uh, there was a wrestler actually at ACW, and um, at the time, you know, Emperor Scorpions were just hard to get. You just couldn't get them. And so, so I, I, I spoke with this guy. He, he, I don't know if he was a trader or he had a, a business or something like that, but he, he told me he could get um, Scorpions for me. So I said, okay, great. I need four big, giant um, Emperor Scorpions. And he's like, okay. So apparently when I got them, they weren't Emperor Scorpions. They were Asian, black Asian forest scorpions. And the difference is the Asian, for, scor, uh, the Asian, the Asian forest scorpions are a little bit smaller, and their, their, their claws are very smooth, unlike the emperor. The emperors are, are, are like porous, and they have little fine hairs, um, and they're, they're bigger. These are smaller, a little more active, and, but they're smooth. So what I did, because I had four of them, I, I wanted to separate my males from my females. So I put a little cross, a female symbol on the one claw, and it stayed. For, you know, it stayed pretty well. So that gave me the idea that, oh, maybe I should, you know, paint them up. So I did, and they, it was pretty damn cool, you know, because they got war paint on them as well. And in a, a while back at the SWO, when I first got my first scorpion, it was a female, and I didn't know what to name it. So I had to name my scorpion contest where all the kids would – I should say all my little scorplings, that is, they would um, put, give me names. And then from those names, I would, I would choose the name that I felt, felt best fit. And a young, a young boy named Kenton Elliott, who was a little boxer in Columbia, named Black Beauty. So he came up with the name Black Beauty. Later on, I got a male. And again, know what to name it. So again, I did the same thing. And all the kids put the names in, and, and, I, and I found the Beast. So I thought, perfect, Black Beauty and the Beast. So there, you go. there, there came the Beast. And since then, of course, you know, the, the lifespan of these scorpions is only about, like, seven years in captivity. And when you get them at the size I get them at, they're pretty much full grown, and, you know, they don't last very long. I've, and plus, with the amount of, you know, stress that I put on them in the ring and stuff, they, they don't last very long. So um, <laughs> I'm up to right now, I think I got Black Beauty number, I'll, I'll be on five. I, haven't, I don't have a female right now, um, but, uh, but, but, I, but as of late, uh, there was uh, Black Beauty number four and, um, Black, and Beast number three, I think it was. Yeah. And each of them have their own characteristic as well. It's just really interesting, these the, the scorpions and, and, and how they have their own uh, personality, for instance. You know, um, the one, Black Beauty number three, that she outlived number four, actually, um, just recently. She's the one in the picture with me with the belt. I don't know if you guys saw that one. Yeah, um, yeah, that's, that's yeah. an awesome picture. That's, actually, yeah, that just is, found that it. Is we're actually awesome. going to tweet that out real quick so everybody can see what yeah. we're actually talking about. I yeah. just found that picture, so yeah. Yeah, that's Black Beauty number three. Now, she's the baby eater. She's the baby eater. And I, I did a um, – I remember doing a, 
uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation signing at uh, Rite Aid in um, Hershey, Pennsylvania. And when I went to go get my scorpions for that, for that day, um, I noticed she had all these babies on her back. I'm talking like 20-plus. I mean, she was covered in them. And there's pictures on my Facebook page of these scorpions with all the, you know, actually with her first paint job that I did on her and um, didn't know that she was pregnant. And then, voila, she has a, a million little white babies on her. But I had to separate her from the other ones for fear that they may eat them. So when I separated her and, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I periodically week by week come check on her, see how they're doing, and I noticed it was a little less. And then again, a little less. And after a while, they, they started, the scorpions started to turn browner because their, 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 their shells started to harden. And once they go through the first molt, then they're pretty much on their own and they can, you know, crawl off the mother's back and, and, and be on their own. But I, 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 like four of them. After I came home from the monster factory one day, um, one evening, after a show that is, and it was only can't eat anymore. I mean, they hardly eat. I mean, really, they eat like a cricket, and they might not. I mean, they can literally go like a year without any food or water and still be fine. I mean, it oh, is, wow. you know, they're, seriously, they're, they're built for the Holocaust, man. Those things are going to outlast, you know, everyone and anything. Um, they really will. But um, <clears throat> she ate them all. I'm talking, she didn't leave not one behind, and I was so heartbroken <laughs> after that. So she became what? the baby eater, yeah. But that's Black Beauty number three. Wow, that's wild. Um, we yeah. of course met you met you through LCW and, and working at LCW. When did you start working with Lancaster Championship Wrestling? I started in February, I believe, of 2013. I believe the date was. And um, there's actually a promo. Um, with me and, and Jason, a perfect donor Smith, on my debut, and um, he, he asked me, he's like, you want to do a promo? I was like, I was like sure. He's like, uh, you know, he's going to ask me a question or something. So, I, Well, actually, he did ask me a question. So I get out there, and I had no, no idea what to expect. And um, he says to me, he goes, so what do you think about our heavyweight champion, Bill Bain? And, yo, caught me by surprise. I'm making my debut you know, I mean, granted, uh, you know, because, you know, Susquehanna Wrestling Organization worked in Columbia, which is very close to Lancaster, and, you know, there was a crossover of fans there. And, and people, you know, they're friends on Facebook and stuff, so they had an idea of me. Plus, I'm from Lancaster. Um, so, anyway, he asked me this question, and, and I'm like, Bill Bain? I was kind of lost. I didn't know what to say, so I repeated myself, Bill Bain? Bill, who the heck is Bill Bain? And, 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 and... <laughs> You know, it's funny because it was a bunch of heel-loving fans, which are actually trainees right now, that were heckling me and this and that at the time. But, um, but it was just so, so – our, our, our chemistry was so natural out there, and we just kind of flowed off each other. Uh, and I took the mic from him, or he takes the he, – he, he, he says, oh, 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 don't you disrespect our heavyweight champion because he's – your heavyweight champion. He looks at the kids in the front. He's your heavyweight champion. He's your – and I take the mic from him, and I say, hold up. You sure he's a heavyweight because he looks a little light in the britches? And, 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 he, and he takes the mic from – it just was such a, such a dynamic, such, such great chemistry between the, the two of us. And the best was um, 
when uh when Jason finally you know left, that is, he goes uh, uh the uh who was it um little buddy his name's buddy he had a he had a a part in the indie wrestling now I don't know if you remember I think it was Buddy's Corner or I forget what it was called but but um he, he's he's a very charismatic young young man at all our shows and um he says the he says to Jason he says you at the as soon as the the video ended. You're gonna get stung. He goes. I'm not gonna get stung. You know, Jason said that. So it just was. It, it was. You know, it was just a perfect relationship uh, between the two of us, and we just fed off of each other, and it, it turned into a great rivalry for years. I mean, years. I mean, you think about it. Like, um, I won the title in June. I remember. And there's a promo of me. Uh, 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 I don't know if I was, you know, for the upcoming match, I think it was in May, um, May 22nd, I believe the date was, and I'm in Lancaster Square. I'm right, right there at the monument um, cutting this promo on, on Bill Bain. And, um, <clears throat> and that was the Lancaster screw job, that match. Because in that match, Jason jumps on my back. I had him up in the TK Scorpio, which is my finisher. It's actually a TKO. But I... I, I got the I named it the TK Scorpio. So he slips he slips off my back. Jason jumps on my back. Okay, I shake Jason. The 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 perfect bodyguard distracts the referee Zach Carlucci, and I get rolled up. And he pulled the tights, and it was the fastest, the fastest three count. And well, not the fastest because there has been some other faster ones. I think Shatter probably got the fastest now um, when he was a special guest referee, when he smacked me in the face with a chair, which I never forgot. But you can see there's so, there's so many, like, you know, where I was always constantly getting screwed, you know. And there's, a, there's, there's also a, um, a conference that we had where I'm explaining this, you know, the perfect screw job. You see, uh, you know, <clears throat> Carlucci was the screw, and Jason is the carpenter in which he is screwing the red scorpion. You know, and and like we just we just had so much fun with that, and he just he was such a just a natural at it. You know what I mean? Uh, a natural heel. I don't care what people say as far as you know the whole you know Stone Cold and, and Vince McMahon, but you know the feud they had. But this was just as as real and 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 and, and as fun as as Vince McMahon and Stone Cold were. You know, in in that era. I mean, it just we like I said, we had a great chemistry. Yeah. Awesome. Now that that actually segues pretty good into the next question we kind of had uh, written down here, um, where we recently saw you recapture the LCW yeah. Championship, um, a title that that truly was never lost. Um, right. Let's go back and 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 explain that situation for anybody that's not sure what had happened. Um, you losing okay. the championship and then you coming back just recently and regaining the LCW Heavyweight right. Championship. Yes, this is this is this gets a little little confusing for some, but um, again, there's there's actual um, there's the video, you know, and that was I have all these dates. That was November twenty third, okay, um, two thousand fourteen, I believe it was two thousand fourteen or thir- something like that. Uh, I don't know, it was thirteen, yeah, two thousand thirteen. Uh, November twenty third, I, I faced. <clears throat> um, I had well. First of all, let's go back to where I, I, I had a title defense against Mustafa Aziz. Okay, and during the match, I 
leap over the top rope and for a plancha, and I go through his arms like water. I'm talking, it sucked so bad. I sprained my wrist. I separated my left shoulder, and I got a concussion all in one, you know, one wow. move. Okay. Oh. And that was the beginning of the match. And I had to finish this match. So little did I know, like, you know, I'm sitting there. I, I, I tell him, like, yo, I'm really messed up, man. <laughs> and he still picks me up and rams my lower back into the, into the, 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 the post. And, like, I, I feel, I'm on the floor and not realizing I'm giving him my ribs, and he pumps my ribs and, um, and knocks the air out of me. I'm like a mess now. Like, I, I, I'm, like, about to cry. He throws me back in the ring. I finally could catch my breath, and, but my shoulder was killing me at the time. Now, during the match, I slam him. Actually, it's, it's on one of their, like, the highlights for that year. Um, everything's on it. Me jumping over the rope, me body slamming him is on this highlight reel and, um, for that year, and I tear my bicep. I tear my right bicep. And it was a picture-perfect, oh, like, God. textbook. It was a textbook body slam. It really was. And um, as I take the hair out of my face, which the Scorpion Queen always busts my balls because I, I tend to do it a lot because my hair is always in my face, but my bicep is up in my shoulder now, my right bicep. Oh. And later during the match, you know, I still had to finish the match, and, I, and, and there's pictures again on, on, on Facebook where I'm up on the second rope and I'm doing a 10-punch count. And you can start to see the blood or the, 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 the black and blue in my forearm, as well as um, my bicep is just, you know, it just looks funny now. Now it's up in my shoulder, like I said, it's, you know, because it's separated. So, um, <clears throat> or it detached. So here I was actually cleared to wrestle, and, and they, we happened to be going into a feud at the Monster Factory. With, I happened to be going into a feud with, with Grey Wolf. Um, and I got cleared to wrestle, but it was it, it because like you could still you you know use I could still use my right arm fine. It wasn't that bad, but it was this, my shoulder separation that really I just couldn't I couldn't go the the following week. So um, I ended up having surgery. This was on September 21st. Now, so I had I had um, surgery on October the first, and um, and I was back in the ring again, actually, at Atomic Championship Wrestling on November the 2nd. And um, I tell you, I heal like the Wolverine, man. I am like no joke. I get injured, and I'm, I bounce back so fast. I'm like a, a medical mystery. I, I kid you not. I, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no joke. Like, this is, I'm a medical mystery. So um, I, I still am able to defend my title on November 23rd now. Against, I didn't even miss anything. You know, because I think we had, there wasn't even an LCW match. But because we were wrestling at Valor, when I was defending my, my title at Valor Pro Wrestling, in my contract it stated I had to defend that title every month. Um, and if there was, I think it was like if I did not defend that title successfully within the 60 days allotted from the, you know, the time of my injury that I'd be stripped of the title. Okay, this is what the stipulation was. Now, I wasn't able to defend my title at Valor. Here we are, November 23rd now. Amos Stolzfus and Esther Stolzfus, his wife, his valet. So this is, was a great match. It's probably, I would have to put this up with, I would almost have to say this is my number one best match ever. Um, again, me and this, you know, it, it, the storyline was great. The, 
the everything involved was just even his wife just made that match just so much so so great like it really was it was a great story and here I am with this scorpified arm brace because I scorpify everything if I can touch it I can scorpify it so here I have this <laughs> that's true this yeah I have this scorpified arm brace okay and um during the match he rips it off and I actually get hit in the head with it so, so like I here, so he's frustrated. His wife's on the ring apron because I kick out of it. Of course, he goes to Irish with me. I reverse it, bounce off the opposing the adjacent rope where she was, and hit him with the pounce. you guys know Monty Brown. Uh, you know, um, he, he the alpha from male TNA. Yep. Yeah, yeah, the pounce. So I blast him with the pounce, and he feeds up from the ring apron, and I hit the most. Devastating Scorpion Spike Driver. I mean, his head bounced. It was it was just it was ridiculous. Um, it was great. It was awesome. And 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 that was a way to get rid of her without having to cheat because she was just making that match so hard for me, so hard. Um, but I beat him. But the arm brace came off. So that night, Jason comes out. He asked the referee. Did I wear the arm arm brace? And because it came off, whether I took it off or whether it was ripped off, again, I was no longer now medically cleared. You see, this is where this is where it gets. So I'm not medically cleared, so I failed to you know to defend my title within the 60 days allotted. Therefore, I was stripped of the title. I was stripped okay. of it. So and they awarded it, just gave it as a gift. Here, Shane Douglas. Here, be the Lancaster Heavyweight Champion. Matter of fact, we're going to name the arena after you because you're just that great. And you know what? I had nothing to say in it. I was pissed off backstage, and this is a straight shoot. I was backstage December, and I had to wrestle Louis G. Rich, which was another fun match, but in December, that is, and I'm thinking, I said, what, I got no say in this? I, I was literally about to grab a microphone and go out there and be like, ho, ho, ho. You know, because I I didn't even get a title, you know, like a you know like a rematch clause or anything like that, and they just give my title to Shane Douglas. So that you know, and so you know, since then I've been I've been chasing it for like two years. Okay. You know, two long years. I was, you know, after that I remember Diesel hit me up and he was like, "Dude, did you see? Did you see on Facebook? They don't even have you in the top ten of uh, as a contender." For the title, and I'm like, I said, relax, relax, man. It's like everything that Jason did was to antagonize. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> they have the the wrestler of the year. Who's going to be the wrestler of the year? I mean, with all the trials and tribulations I went through, why shouldn't it be me? You know? And so what does <laughs> he do? He puts up a silhouette, and it is unmistakably me, me, the Red Scorpion. That is me. You cannot mistake that for anybody else. Wrestler of the Year, and but he awards it to Shane Douglas. Regardless, if Joseph von Schmidt had all the the votes, because they they let it up to the fans to vote, and and von Schmidt has a big fan following, not just in in Lancaster, but God, we're gonna say across the world, and he's big on social media, and he's a we're gonna call him a belt mark. I'll put it out there. He's a belt mark. He holds titles in every single continent across the globe, you know, um, and that's no joke. 
so, you know, he wanted this award, and he, you know, technically won it according to the the votes on Facebook. But, uh, but yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't take away my hard work and what I put into it. Um, and I'm not going to say I deserve to win it, but it was all, you know, it was all part of the storyline. And, you know, it was, like I said, it was a lot of fun. And, and um, you know, I miss Jason now. I miss the perfect owner. I miss having that, uh, you know, that, that rivalry we had, you know. But all good things have to come to an end sooner or later, you know. Sure. Yeah, he, yeah, he was great. He's the, he's the one who actually, you know, got us in the door there. So we, you know, we yeah. often talk about how we're, you know, always grateful for getting us in the door there and, and, and mm-hmm. getting us started there. Uh, you touched on it a little bit um, a couple minutes ago. You know, your tag team partner, uh, Gray yeah. Wolf, the, you're, you're one half of the Bloodbound Warriors, but at one time you, you two guys feuded with each other. You know, right. After that feud, what brought you two together and, and forming the Bloodbound Warriors? Well, in, in early on, it was um, we feuded for a, a, a long while at the SWO, and, and we had great matches, man. We we really did. We we have a good uh, chemistry as well, you know, because we're we're so very similar, but so very different all at the same time. And and every lots of other promotions just wanted to team us up, not even knowing that we knew each other for that matter. But um, but what it was was I remember um, I was the baby face of SWO, um, and I remember Hat Guy had um, had a new team he was debuting, and they weren't so much new to the wrestling scene, but they had uh, they had new training, a new perspective on life, and and on you know, uh, and on on just rest, the wrestling wrestling in general. Because these were bad dudes, man. This, and I'm talking about the lum- They were called the Lumberjacks, and these, this was um, Jack and Jake Molson, the Molson brothers. You know of those guys, they they they're some big nasty dudes. And so, I remember this promo going on, and I think I came out and I might have said something, and they challenged me, and me like the green the green guy, you know, the fool. <laughs> I jump in the ring against these two bohemists, and of course they beat me down. They hold me there, and that guy's like, yeah. You know, and they, they used to carry these, these, these sticks. Like, they looked like they were uh, um, at least most uh, Jake and Jack. I forget them. I get them both confused. I don't know which one's Jake and Jack or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but, but the, 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 uh, anyway, one of the Molson brothers, the, the original, I'll, I'll call him the original because he's the longest, at least I've known him the longest, um, Molson. He, uh, he had this, like, this, this, this handle of a, uh, an axe without the axe head on it, but, you know, just a handle. And, and, and he was going to strike me with it or, or something like that. All this stuff is on YouTube. You can, you can go back and watch it. And Grey Wolf comes out, and he gets into the ring, chases them off. But now we're standing there mid-ring, you know, and I'm like, you know, we, we just got done with this, like, big feud. And um, I happened to win the last match where he hit me with a devastating strike, and it just so happened that I fell on top of him. And, and then got the win that way. You know, we just basically beat each other to a pulp till we had nothing left, and I just happened to, you know, be the one on top. But um, so, you know, I, he puts – I put my hand out to him and say, you know, join me. Join me in, in, in this fight. You know what I mean? 
I mean, you know, everybody has said it for the longest. And, again, in these YouTube videos, I even stated it at, at the end of, you know, one of them, you know, like, you know, Grey Wolf's strength and experience with my strength and, 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 and agility would make for a devastating, you know, team. And so he joined me. And, um, you know, we had, a, we had a little run there. Um, you know, we didn't win any titles, but, you know, we tagged for a little – little while in um, SWO, not very long though, you know, because um, of booking, like there, there, was, there happened to be some stuff that got mixed up with the booking end of it, um, where eventually I ended up, we ended up taking bookings at the Monster Factory. So, um, you know, and we, and we started off as a heel team there. And you talk about, now Grey Wolf is a natural heel in, in my by my perspective, because he, he's very, he's very, and I don't mean this in any disrespectful way, but he's very simple, basic, he's methodical. What he does, he does well, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So he's just a natural heel. And me, it was very, very, very hard, very hard. So Danny Cage says, you know, I want you guys to come out, you know, all I want you full body paint. Okay, and I'm thinking to myself, full body paint. I never painted before. What the hell? So, <laughs> so you know, Grey Wolf is raw, man. He is a raw dude. He is just like he's he's a Viking, man. Like straight up, like you know, he uses he 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 had a, a paper towel, he had paint, and a and a jug of water. Okay, and he painted. He just smeared it all over his body. Take some black paint on his hand, smack it on his chest, threw him fingers, go across. Well, I'm a little, you know, I'm a perfectionist, and I'm a, you know, this and that, and, you know, I, I like, you know, I'm very uh, neat and, and uh, OCD, if you will, kind of. So, so I decide I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this like, uh, anyway, if you look at the picture, and this happened to be the picture they put on the, the flyer, which I hate for the Keystone Cup, I look like a zebra, a red and black zebra <laughs> with a Loch Ness monster on my face, and, and, and Grail has no paint. The man who paints himself up has no paint. And what do you know? That is the first picture that they put up at the Monster Factory. I'm like, this is some bullshit, man. What the f- I want that, I want that picture taken down. I am so like, you know, I should be honored. I mean, God, there's only but so many faces that can grace the walls of the Monster Factory, and it just happens to be that one, my first paint job. I look, I'm like a gray old Fred Scorpion hybrid. I look like a, a hot mess. But, but I learn and I adapt. So I go at, and and trust me, when I did that first paint job, um, I, I tried to put it in my contact, my red contact. I waited to put that in, and I got all this dried up paint on my hands. God, that was that was fun, you know. So, oh, so I, again, I yeah, I learn and I adapt. So I go and get gloves. Now I got rubber gloves. I go and get paint brushes and uh, and, and you know and stuff like that. So so you know. I, and I don't do the whole body paint. He he does more of the paint than I do. Um, I, I do like a splash here. You know, I, I do the body paint as well. But, again, mine is very symmetrical. His is very tribal-like, um, you know, uh, very different. Uh, I, I, I sell masks, um, and I paint them myself, by the way. And um, okay. these masks, I, I call it the many faces of Grey Wolf because every show – he does something different, and I'll take a picture of his face, and I'll try to duplicate that on these masks, and I sell them at the shows. But, um, but you know, mine is very, you know, uh, it's, it's pretty much the same kind of, um, 
outline, if you will, but, uh, but you know, with a little maybe tweaks here and there different um, with my body paints. I get the practice on these masks, so um, when I do them, you know, then I, can pos- then I try it on myself then later. But, um, but yeah, that was, that was, you know, us with the body paint, you know, at first. That was something, you know, fun. And, again, you know, we're sitting there waiting for this stuff to dry, so I go and I get myself a fan, and now I got a scorpified fan that I take to the shows and, you know, we stand in front of the fans, the two of us, you know, as we're painting up, try to, you know, it's sort of dry faster. We use acrylic paint for those wondering. And this stuff does not, if it gets on your, your gear while it's wet, like if you actually drop a, you know, drip on yourself, it ain't coming out. But mm. if, if, you, if you're able to put it on and it dries on your skin, it'll just crumble off, you know, very easily actually. So, um, but, you know, you could just sweep it out of the ring so it won't stain your ring, it won't stain your gear. So any of those, if you happen to be our opponents, don't, don't sweat that. You know, just watch out for the Blood Eagle. That's all. <laughs> That's our finish, right, well, by the way. You've, uh, you brought up, we brought up the Keystone Cup. Mm-hmm. It is this weekend, starting tomorrow night, uh, the very first rounds uh, at LCW at the Lancaster Host Resort. Um, how is competing in this tournament style? Uh, going to be different for you because you're you're teaming with Grey Wolf. Mm-hmm. How is this different than than just preparing for one match in a night that you you're, you're you're preparing for maybe multiple matches? You don't necessarily know who your opponents are going to be. Right, right. I I I, I cannot speak. I can't speak from experience because last year's Keystone Cup, I was teamed up with Sage Strong, and we got eliminated um, early on due to um, okay. some interference. So you know. Um, I can't speak from experience, but I can only assume that, you know, I, I would, you know, and, and thinking back to when I wrestled in tournaments, you know, when I was in high school, um, it, it's, it's, very, it's very difficult. You know, it is very difficult because you don't know what to expect. You know, you, you, you get all your nerves all worked up. You don't know who you're going to face, and then, then the brackets come out, and you see where you're at on the bracket. I'm curious to know what, where they have us seated, actually, um, you know, because we're a pretty well-established team, and there's a lot of uh, well-established teams in there, as well as, like, a House of Truth with Jay Diesel and uh, Donovan Dijak, which, um, you know, Sudden Impact is another, another team. Up, yep. So, you know, I'm just curious to see where they have us um, ranked. And, yeah, I know you just, you just had on uh, Patrick Clark, actually, last, last week. So, um, mm, yeah, it'll, yep. be, it'll be interesting. But th- now... You know, going back, thinking back, so I'm thinking, so wherever they have us, you know, hoping, hoping you're, you're seated higher because the higher your seed is, believe it or not, the, the, the weaker your opponents are supposed to be. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you think about the way, you know, the playoffs work in, in, in football even, you know, it's usually the, the wild card team at the 10th spot or whatever it is will face the number one seed should they win, you know, and – um and then you advance through the tournament like that. But, you know, with wrestling, it's very different. You know, you don't know what to expect and, and what your opponents – I like to study my opponents. You know, I have a match coming up August 22nd against Bucks Belmar, and you talk about somebody who's unorthodox. You know, Sure is. But, yeah, he is just very different. It's going to be interesting. But You better you know, pack some Purell for that match. Yeah. You know what? I got to do something, man. I, I might come to the ring with a bucket of water and soap. Like, seriously. Like, you <laughs> know what I mean? off when you're done. I, I, yeah, I, I, I should have, like, a, a red body condom made. 
Yeah. So he doesn't have to touch me or spit on me or breathe on me or whatever else. Like yeah, that. very, very unorthodox. I'm, yeah, yeah. I, but I studied him, you know, and I like to study my opponents because then I know what to expect. I always do this. This is another something for inspiring wrestlers. If you know who you're going to face, yeah, look them up, man. Study them because then you know what to expect because a lot of times in matches, and again, this is breaking kayfabe, but when you get lost, you always, you know, you always go, go to what you know and what you do best. So, you know, you know what to expect. And, and you can really impress somebody if, you, you know, I'm facing, say, like, you know, Rhino, I know everything and everything you do. You know, you know I'm game for whatever. So, you know, and, 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 and when, you're, when you're, you know, when you're able to, to, to be able to, to do that, you know, you become, you know, worth, worth a lot more because you can adapt to different styles and you know what to expect. But, you know, that's the one thing that you don't, you don't get to – I can't study everyone. Sons of Samoa, that's a monstrous team. You know, I can't study everyone, you know, and that, that makes it tough. It really does. It, it makes it very, very tough. Now, we've so seen it you be work. Interesting. Yeah, okay. absolutely. We, we've, we've seen you work both, you know, singles and, and in tag team. Is there – is there a uh, style that you prefer working, or obviously you, I, we know you enjoy both, but is there right. one you prefer over the other? Yeah, that, that is a very hard answer or, or question to answer because, you know, like you said, like they're, they're, they're so different. They're so different. The, the ring psychology is different. But, you know, um, I, I, I don't like to share the spotlight, to be honest with you. Um, I'm, you know, I'm – I was I started as a singles uh, wrestler, even though I was in a faction um, at SWO. But I, you know, but I kind of I, I was a you know I was really a diamond in the rough. Like I really and I don't hate to put myself over like that, but uh, but but you know, it, 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 I was an individual. And okay. when you're in a tag team, a person you really are, you know, and and to be in the right position. Um, and, and there's a lot more timing involved with tag team wrestling as opposed to singles wrestling. It's just you and the man standing across from you. So in that respect, it's, it's different. It's more difficult in tag, I think. But at the same time, I have so much more fun, I think. I have a lot of fun working with Grey Wolf because one thing he does and I hate to do is that whole Haroof thing. I hate that shit. <laughs> but you know what? But, but he he loves it. He does it. I always make fun of him. He used to before I was even wrestling. You know, I'm sitting in the fans. He come out, roof, and I'm thinking, what is he saying? The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. What? I, you know, I I didn't understand <laughs> it. I didn't get it. But hey, it's something that that he does, and the fans love it. So they I sure have. They definitely it. picked it up with that with with the team as well. Yeah, that's right. So I get grandfathered in, kind of, and I have to do it. So I do it. <laughs> Um, not that now, I really like to do it, but I do it, you know. Now, we, we were following your career, obviously. We just saw that you uh, you had a debut. Is it a tryout match for Ring of Honor? Was, was it your debut at, at Ring of Honor? Um, well, actually, I did a, a tryout back July 26th of 2014. Was I had a tryout match. And in September 21st, uh, I was, no, I'm sorry. It was September 26th or 7th, I think it was. Um, in Wheeling, West Virginia, um, they had an idea to, to, to bring in the Bloodbound Warriors um, to face R.D. Evans and Moose. 
um, when Moose okay. joined um, R.D. Evans and, and they, they had this streak going on. So um, Nana, Prince Nana brought us out. You know, he's the one, he's the talent scout. And, and you know, we were discovered at this, you know, uh, Gray Wolf did the tryout uh, the year before. I did it in July, and it was just a natural fit. And, and um, I remember hearing Danny Cage on one of the um, Monster Factory shows um, doing commentary with Ian, who's also with Ring of Honor, Ian Riccoboni. He says, uh, uh, it's funny because at one of the tryouts, they said, you know, Mark Briscoe comes up to him and he says, hey, you know what would be awesome? If you guys, if you team Red Scorpion with Grey Wolf. And he's like, oh, that's funny because we already did. You know what I mean? We were already <laughs> an established tag team, you know, and, 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 and for quite some time even at that, at that time. So, um, so yeah, we, we had our debut um, in Willing, West Virginia in September of last year. Um, okay. They just recently brought us, brought us back um, where we faced the Briscoe Brothers, um, which should be airing on Destination America and the CW15 in my area, that is. That's the Harrisburg area. Um, in another about, I think, another week or two, I believe it should be. I know I spoke with um, Cheeseburger at the Monster Factory just recently this past weekend. I did a Joe Gertner uh, seminar, and they had a show there. I wasn't booked on that show, but I, I did take part in the seminar with Joe Gertner. And, um, and I spoke with Cheeseburger, and he said it should be coming up in about two weeks or so. And that was Very just fantastic. this past weekend. Yeah, uh, we'll definitely uh, definitely keep that, uh, and and if we can get a solid date, we'll make sure we tweet that out and uh, yeah. put it up on the Facebook yeah. page so everybody yeah. can tune in to watch that. Now, you you know, you've touched on a lot of the names you've worked with over the years, but mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, people where they hear uh, where they are located, they may not know some of those names. Who would you say is the most recognized superstar that you've had a chance to work against in singles? Um, at all, whether it's singles or tag. Well, uh, it would most definitely, um, well, there's, well, for singles, definitely, uh, Rhino, Rhino, because he's, you know, he's currently crushing heads on, um, on NXT currently. And, um, you know, he was working for LCW while he was with, um, with, uh, LCW. So Rhino and Rhino has to be probably one of my, one of my most favorite wrestlers to actually work with. Uh, believe it or not, because uh, he's very easy to work with, uh, very fun in the ring. He likes to goof off. I mean, you know, I'm in a bear hug, and he's talking, he's telling jokes and, and stuff like that, and I'm trying to sell a bear <laughs> hug here. And, uh, and uh, he's, he's goofing off with, uh, with, um, with uh, Kurt Angle, who's a special guest referee for that match. Um, that was very fun. And, I, and, I, and again, I just want to put this out there. I have a lot of respect for Kurt Angle because when Kurt Angle was there, he sat next to me, not knowing it, this wasn't planned or anything, but he sat right kind of next to me. And he watched every single match. And after each match, he, got, he, he gave feedback for every wrestler that came up to him, you know, and asked, wow. you know, awesome. what he thought of the match. He didn't, he didn't, you know, a lot of times you go to shows and you say, hey, can you watch my match? And, you know, they get caught up or something. Maybe they can't. But he actually sat there and watched just about every single match and, and had great feedback for everyone. So, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for Kurt Angle for that, um, for doing that. But, um, but, yeah, Rhino would definitely be the most recognizable superstar that I've had the opportunity to work with in the ring. And, um, you know, it's just it was an honor to, you know, to work with him. And, and, and Diesel, Jay Diesel, here's a funny story about the spear or – the gore, whatever you want to call it. 
Um, Rhino calls it the gore. But <clears throat> despite how over me and him were in the LCW, the, the, the beginning of that match, to hear, you know, the fans back and forth with the chants was just something so surreal. It was just so awesome. We didn't even lock up yet, and they're going. I mean, they're just, you know, they're just, you know, let's go, Scorpion, you know, and then the Rhino chants. You know, it's just back and forth, you know what I mean? It was just awesome. And he says to me backstage, uh, this was the match, I think, when um, – when Jay Diesel, matter of fact, I think he stabbed me in the back. Yeah, that's right, that cocksucker. He stabbed me in the back. My best friend <laughs> left me for dead in the ring. So, so he says, just take a back bump with the spear. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, I've always just, you know, opened up and just taken the spear. You know, Diesel hit me with a spear a while back um, in an angle we were doing at Valor Pro Wrestling. And, um, they suck, you know, because it's, it's a straight, you know, you just open up for them and they just drill, drill you, just fall, you know, rip you in half, basically. And so I take this back bump as he speared me, and I tell you what, I nearly did a backflip off this thing. I mean, it was the, the most <laughs> devastating spear ever. Probably. I mean, it looked, it looked nasty. It looked really crazy. And I never thought about, and it was a lot lighter, too. Like, it, it, you know, because you're going with it as opposed to, just having the guy go through you, you know what I mean? Agreed, it's like standing your ground. It just made it so much easier. It looks so much more devastating. And those, those are just little things, you know, little tricks of the trade that, you know, I never knew about, you know, um, you know, that you can learn from these veterans like that, you know? Sure. Hey, but, we, uh, <clears throat> go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say then as far as tag team action goes, it would be the Briscoe brothers. Okay. The Briscoe brothers. And let me tell you this. Those boys hit hard. I mean hard. I'm talking that redneck kung fu is no joke. I left that match <laughs> afterwards. I got a bruised boob. My right pack is totally bruised up in my armpit, and it bled down to my nipple. It looked like I had, like I was part Barney the Purple Dinosaur, you know, two days later. Like it was, it was that bad. And I remember after the match, I get hit with this nasty, uh, 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 discus um, clothesline, and Grail says to me, he's over top of me as Adam, Adam Page, and I'm kind of breaking kayfabe and telling everybody what's going to happen, but um, Adam Page comes out and cuts his promo and um, on the Briscoe brothers, on, on Jay Briscoe himself, really, and, and, and Grail says over top of me, he's like, dude, your mouth is bleeding, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, that's because I bit half my tongue off on that thing, man. It's like I like got turned inside out, man. I tell you what, these dudes, they bring it. I thought we were tough, but they they are they are legit. They are man, legit. Cannot wait to watch that match. Yeah, it's definitely it's, gonna it's have to crazy. tune in for that. Yeah, you. Well, hey, Mark, we uh, we always uh, kind of wrap up our interviews with with this question. Uh, something that we we love hearing the answers. Past or present? Who would be your dream match? Hmm. That's a good question. That's a really good question. I don't really, I never really put any much thought into that, to be honest with Okay. You. Let's see. My dream match. Well, let's see. Let me think here. Let me think. Uh, on the current roster, even. Um, here, here's something. I'll throw this one out there. My dream match. No, I'm going to back up. Let me back up. Okay, all right. My 
dream match. And, I, and I'm just thinking about, I'm going to think about, I'm, I'm going to take ROH into consideration. So, so my dream match, I, I'm going to say, would be against Michael Elgin. Yeah, Michael okay. Elgin. So okay. Michael Elgin, if you're listening, the Red Scorpion is calling you out. If you right dare here. get foot in the ring with me, Elgin, prepare yourself to get stuck. So I, I would say Michael Elgin because he's a, he's a, he's a strong guy. He's, a, he's an ox. He's a fighter, you know, and he brings his A game every time, you know, and, and he, he's very, um, you know, he, he, he brings something different to the, to, to the big man stage. Like he's not just a typical power guy. You know, he, he has something, you know, he has a lot of agility for a big guy. Something that I like to think that I have as well. So I would like to see how our two styles clash. You know what I mean? I, w- I would like to see that. Yeah. yeah. yeah that would be a fantastic match. Really, really would be fun to watch. Yeah, that would be awesome, Mark. It, it has been an absolute awesome time for us. You know, the, the, your stories have been great. It's a fantastic interview. Just let people know, you know, where can they keep track of you uh, on social media? Okay, well, on Twitter, you can – I'm at, at RedScorpion717. And also the Bloodbound Warriors uh, Twitter account is uh, at Bloodbound War. You can also find me on Facebook. Uh, under the, you could just type in the Red Scorpion. Um, I have a fan page that's Red, the Red Scorpion, comma Mark Hazel, or by my shoot name, uh, which is Mark Hazel. Also on um, the YouTube channel, I, I talked about you know to kind of keep up the speed with what's going on with the Red Scorpion as far as matches and storylines and things like that go it's uh the red scorpion comma mark hazel you just put that in you know the 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 search engine there and um click on the little blue link it'll take you to my my channel um i think that's it yeah yeah all right very good Uh, just again we said an absolute awesome interview we'll definitely uh be seeing you and 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 get, get a chance to talk to you in person uh this weekend at lcw i appreciate it and um and uh We'll see you this week. Thanks so much, and we'll see you this week. Thank you. Thank right, you. Absolutely. We'll see you on Saturday. We're going we're gonna to get right to our interview. We're going to talk about our it. guest uh, coming up in the coming weeks after uh, our interview tonight. We are welcomed by the uh, the owner, the head coach of the world-famous Monster Factory, Danny Cage. Danny, welcome in. How are you doing tonight? How's it going, guys? Good to be here. All right. Good to have you. Uh, I guess we'll get right into it. Uh, first thing we always like to do is just get a little uh, background information on you. Uh, were you a wrestling fan growing up as a child? Uh, maybe who were some of your uh, favorite wrestlers when you were growing up? Absolutely. Uh, I was uh, big into Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, uh, Terry Gordy. And then as I went on uh, and I was just about to break into the business, uh, I became a huge fan of Shawn Michaels, you know, Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, all that stuff. Um, I broke in around 98, so uh, that was around that time when them guys were really kicking. So, yeah, I was always a fan, uh, you know, since the first match I ever saw, which was a boot camp match between Sergeant Slaughter and Iron Sheik back in, I think it was 84. So, yeah, I've been a fan for a long time. Would you consider yourself more of a, a WWE guy growing up or a WCW guy? 
I was WWE guy, but I was very fortunate because where I lived uh, around the Philly region, we not only got um, WWE, we got NWA, we got um, the Mid-South, we got UWF, we got uh, World Class Championship Wrestling, I got GWF, ECW, AWA, I mean, we got every single thing that you could possibly want in wrestling we got on TV at one point or another, so... I would have multiple VCRs recording everything in multiple rooms, uh, you know, because we didn't have, you know, the DVRs were not invented yet. We had these things called VCRs, and <laughs> you'd have to cut the commercials out and stuff like that to make it, uh, you know, really awesome. So, yeah, it was uh, it was tough, but, uh, man, I, I, I loved it. I had I probably had close to 400 uh, beta tapes of uh, pro wrestling and, those tapes held like four hours each, so it was it was pretty killer. Yeah, we're definitely old enough to remember, you know, setting the VCR to super long play to make sure you, you capture yep. full events and stuff like that for sure. Um, no, growing Absolutely. up, no, growing up, you, you were pretty athletic. I think you you, you wrestled in high school. Um, did, yeah, I wrestled all year round. Yep. Did that did that lead to you wanting to be a professional wrestler? Did that have any play into that? No, actually, I became a amateur wrestler because I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Okay. That's the only reason I did it because uh, I knew right away that you know I wanted to be a wrestler and I was pretty small uh, going into high school. I was four foot eleven, eighty nine pounds. Um, so you know I started wrestling in seventh grade. Uh, wrestled seventh grade, eighth grade, freshman year, you know sophomore, junior, senior year, and then I wrestled uh, in summer tournaments uh, during that time as well. Now. Um... Yeah, amateur wrestler in high school. Uh, obviously, there's there's a level of training that uh, that goes into to be to being a pro wrestler. It's not amateur wrestling anymore, um, according to what I read on Wikipedia. And who knows uh, if it's true or not? Um, it says that you would convince your father to uh, to pay for your wrestling training with money that they were saved up from college. Yep, and he never paid for it. He uh, he pulled. Right, right. The uh, how did that conversation go initially? Like, hey. Dad, I know we kind of saved up this for college, but I want to be a wrestler. Is that how that went? Um, I always be, it keeps on switching to speaker. Let me fix something. That's fine. All right. He kept on uh, he kept on uh, bugging me to go to college, and I said, "No, I want to be a pro wrestler." And I always wanted to be, and I was like, "I'll pay for it myself if I have to." And I said, "But I don't think it's fair because you say you you know you paid for." You know, my brother's college, and, you know, he basically paid, like, $27,000 for him to go to culinary arts school, and then he never even went and got a job in culinary arts. He just uh, started working for the township. Right. So I was like, I was like, you know, I'm not asking you to spend $27,000. I'm looking for $3,000 for wrestling school. That's all I want. And, uh He's like, all right, well, you come to Florida, you move here, you prove you want to wrestle, train here for a while, show me you're serious, uh, and then uh, I'll you make a tryout and I'll pay for it. So I went there for a couple months and came home and killed the tryout and uh, told my my dad said that he would pay for it. And when I called him up, I said, you know, I made it, you know, it's uh, it's all set. You know, I start Monday. I just need a check, and he's like, I'm not paying for that. I never thought you'd make it. Wow. So, okay. Yeah, that was that. That was a rough one. 
Now let's let's talk about the tryout there. The, again, that was trying out at the Monster Factory. You were trying out in front of uh, Larry Sharp and Glenn Ruth, uh, who is probably better known as Thrasher, um, yep. from, from the Headbangers in the WWE. And Mosh, yeah, Mosh was there, and uh, a couple other guys I forget. I think like uh, maybe Frank Frank Finnegan was there. Friendly Frank Finnegan, who mm-hmm. wound up being the Big Show's first match ever back in like '94. This was 1994 when I went for my tryout. Mm-hmm. Um, and I killed it. I did very well and, um, everything worked out good. And it was like, uh, I thought I was meant to do this. And then, you know, the, the, the wrench got thrown in the mix. So I went to North Carolina for a little bit, did some things, got some money together and returned, uh, at the end of 97, beginning of 98. So, so by, by, by the, the wrench being thrown in it, that you use that as motivation that didn't deter you really at all. It, it actually did deter me a lot because um, I suffer from depression. So, like, right away that put me, like, in a tailspin. And I was just like, I can't believe it. And, you know, I'm never supposed to do this. And all these years dreaming and blah, blah, blah. And how could your own dad do that? And instead of me using it as motivation, I just used it as, I'll just do whatever. And uh took various jobs, like landscaping and doing this and doing that. And then... Went to North Carolina to help out one of my buddies who was a childhood friend and bumped into a couple of wrestlers there. And they told me, you know, this guy Toad told me, uh, you know, you got a better look than me. You're, you're in better shape than me. And he's like, so why don't you just go do it? And I, I couldn't tell him why I shouldn't go do it. So moved back to Jersey and just went and did it. So when you found your way the back to uh, the Monster Factory in 1998 uh, and then and, and resumed your training there, uh, what's what's one of the things that you probably remember most uh, from your training? Um, that um, it wasn't what I thought it was. Um, you know, you hear all these stories, but like, like when I walked in, I was like, so "This is it," because it was like just a ring in a building. Okay, that's it. So I was like, "Okay," I thought this was supposed to be. You know, I envisioned what would what, you know, like what we have now, or I envisioned like the performance center. You know, they're, they're training you to be a pro wrestler. I didn't think it would just be a ring in a building with no heating and no air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, it would be a little bit of a shell shock, I think. Yeah, so, um, you know, that's why, like, when I took over, I, I just was like, I'm going to make it look like what I and me and my friends who, you know, I broke in with envisioned, you know. Because I felt so bad because I'm there and, you know, there's Seamus. He came all the way from Ireland and, like, you know, he's like, this is it. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is it, guys. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's why now we got the – we have three wrestling rings. We got amateur mats. We have heating, air conditioning, full weight room, showers, sound system. You know, we have everything that you you, you know. It's basically the the performance center just scaled down a little bit. Sure. Now, um, specifically with your training, uh, what's what's one thing that, that you feel like you might have struggled with picking up, and what's one thing that just came uh, more naturally to you? Uh, what do you mean? when As I'm training the guys or no, no. when I was breaking when, in? When you were still breaking in, when you were training. Um, everything came really, really natural to me. I, I really didn't have a problem with anything. Um, of course, the, the usual slowdown, um, that's about it. But everything else came very natural. But then, you know, I started working for uh, Bell Atlantic at the time, now the Verizon. Um, 
couple months into training, and, you know, I was making close to six figures at, you know, the age of, like, 24, 25, and I wasn't going to take off from my work and miss a $700 payday for a $10 payday uh, if I got paid at all during indie wrestling. Um, I got pretty sour on indie wrestling when I got to see, like, because I took it very seriously. Um, so, like, when you see people not taking it seriously and they're still able to go out there and perform and still able to do this and do that, like, it, it angers you. You're like, well, where's the where's the system that's supposed to, like, you know, kind of like if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, why should they get to wrestle? Sure. You know, so and that's why I implement, you know, we have such a strict, uh, you know, criteria here on wh when you get to wrestle. Like, you don't show up to train, you don't wrestle, you know. Um, you know, you, you, you can't just show up at when you please and, and do what you please. You're, you know, you hired me in the school to... To, to do a job and we can't do our job if you won't let us, you know, you, you don't get to hire a personal trainer um, and do what you want when you show up. Sure. No, that makes sense. You know, now you've, uh, so you're basically, you basically hired a personal trainer. So you're going to do what I say or else, you know, I'm not, you're not going to be represented by me anymore. Sure. You're not going to be able to brag, brag to your friends like, Oh, such and such training. Oh no, I didn't. You know, when we, when we kick someone out, we, we pretty much, Break them from the record, and if someone calls about them, you know, I'll let them know why they were kicked out or why they weren't kicked out or what happened and what they did. You know. Sure. Now, uh, now you had said that, that you'd wrestled for many years yourself, um, so you're not just training, you know, without without being in the ring yourself. Uh, unfortunately, back in '05, uh, your uh, career, your wrestling career, uh, cut short with a back injury. At that time, uh, did you know you still wanted to pursue a life in wrestling? I always wanted to do something in wrestling. I just didn't think it was wrestling itself. Um, okay. Because it was just, um, man, it was it was bad. My back was shot. Um, but even before that, you know, uh, my back had started bothering me really early because I didn't know it, but we were training on a, a boxing ring. Oh. So, yeah. So, again, um, it's I, I have a huge... Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a safety freak. Like I make sure like everything's pristine and everything's fixed perfectly because, you know, people, the, the bodies is how they make a living. But I always wanted to do something creatively. Um, I even started getting into writing, um, doing different things, doing workshops and stuff like that. Uh, even helping out with, with writing some shows like uh, political shows on Sirius XM radio and doing creative writing and comedy skits and stuff. Cause I was like, well, I didn't go to college, but, if I get enough on my resume, hopefully I can get a job with writing or something. Mm -hmm. So that's how that started. But, you know, I always wanted to have a job in pro wrestling. It's just, uh, you know, the way it worked out is, is you know, it was the way it worked out. Uh, I never charted this path. I just, uh, you know, you know what they say, you know, you just take those waters where they take you and you, you just navigate along the way, stay the course and see what happens. Surely. Exactly. Now, in, in 2011, you took co-ownership of the Monster Factory with Larry Sharp and then assumed full ownership shortly after that. Uh, as owner of the Monster Factory, uh, what what can you say to people that are interested in, in coming to the Monster Factory for training? Um, I would say forget everything you thought you knew about pro wrestling, even if you went and trained at another school. Because what we do is we, we train the business. We find that we train the business um, – 
better than anybody else because we're actually training for the year 2016 and, 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 and beyond. A lot of the wrestling schools, um, it's very odd um, that a lot of these schools, and it, you know, I'm not bad enough, and it's just it's just, just what they know, but basically just training the same as they did in the 80s and the 90s. And that would be absurd if football players were still doing the stuff that they did in the 80s and 90s or baseball players or, you know, you see so many different reasons and ways to train because especially in pro wrestling, because it's not just the athletics. Um, you know, if you're good at baseball, if you can hit a home run, you're going to get a job. If you can shoot a three, you're going to get a job. Right. When the WWE, you could be the greatest wrestler you want. That doesn't mean you're getting a job. Exactly. Because yeah. you also have to carry yourself correctly outside the ring. You got to be on your social media game. You got to be a good promo guy. You got to be a character. I mean, there's just so many different things. But so many people are in love with like, oh, well, you got to do it like this because that's the way they did it in the 80s and 70s as they are on their smartphone. <laughs> okay, well, then why, why aren't you on a rotary phone right now? Right. Why, why, why are you using your MP3 player? You should be rocking an 8-track. <laughs> you know, right. Why yeah. do you have your air conditioning on? You should just have the windows down. But, you know, this is... It's just, in other words, like, I want to be able to do it the easiest way possible. I don't like this new way of of basically working my ass off 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know. But right. that's what you're going to have to do if you want to make it. Right. And that's what I preach. And those that don't want to do it, then they don't make it. Yes, you were listening to uh, Three Count Thursday. We are chatting with Danny Cage, owner of the Monster Factory. Danny, um... Let's say it's my very first day of training. I walk in to the Monster Factory. What can I expect? My very first day of training. You're just going to be locking up for three weeks straight. You're not even getting in the ring. That's, nice. that's what you expect. Okay. You'll do some conditioning with us in the very beginning. We'll do strength and conditioning for about a half hour. And then you're just going to be with somebody else working lockups, just like Matt Riddle did, just like everybody does. You know, Matt Riddle had UFC experience, amateur experience, all this stuff, and he still just sat outside the ring and locked up uh, for a couple hours a night until we felt comfortable enough where we'll get him in the ring to do other things. Plus, it settles everybody down because right when everybody comes in, they want to do all this. Oh, but I want to do this and I want to do that. Well, you don't even know how to lock up yet, so let's get that straight. Okay, sure. Now, as a trainer, what what would you say? I mean, obviously, there's there's probably a, a list of things that you expect from your students. What would be the number one thing that you look for in your students? Listen to your coach and respect your coach. Okay, that's it. Because I, you know, the, the 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 way I look at it is, it's thirty five hundred dollars to train here, and I guarantee you that I'm going to do more than thirty five hundred dollars worth of stuff for them between the connections that we make, the phone calls we make. You know, Anthony Bennett right now is, is wrestling at the Cruiserweight Classic at, in the Performance Center, mm-hmm. or at Full Sail right now, you know, because of me and, and the Monster Factory and what we've done for him and the connections we made. You know, it's it's nobody was beating down his door. You know, he's a great athlete, everything like that. And he's a great kid, and that's why he got the nod. But if we didn't bring in uh, Gerald Briscoe uh, a couple of years ago and didn't keep communication open with him, 
But at the same time, if Bennett wasn't listening to me and doing what he was supposed to do, and when Gerald Briscoe said, hey, Dan, I'm thinking about putting Anthony Bennett in there, if I said, no, don't, he wouldn't have. Right. So if someone could have told you, you, you just have to pay $3,000 and you get to train for the rest of your life at this school, plus you get to wrestle in front of a WWE crowd and be on their thing, and someone's going to cost you three grand, I bet you there'd be a line around the building to do it. Damn right. But that's, that's essentially all you have to do is just do what your coach says. You stick to our program. It works. And see where it takes you. The, the biggest mistake anybody can make is thinking they know better than us or the coaches. Or another thing is that we run into is a lot of the kids will um, get the wrong advice from these quote-unquote veterans who will tell them, here's what you should be doing. So, even though they know nothing about the person, they're just giving you know advice out when they know nothing about the person and don't know what, you know, where, where they're coming from or what they've done in the past or anything. And then you have these kids that just seek advice uh, that will benefit them. You know, that's, uh, that's one of the most frustrating things is, well, such and such said I should, and I go, he doesn't know anything about you. Mm-hmm. Right. He doesn't right. know what you do here. He doesn't know what we're trying to do with you. He doesn't even know your goals. I was like, and, and when's the last time he's trained anybody for an extended period of time? We have been spending the last five days with you for the last four years, but he knows better than you because he met you at a seminar. <laughs> right. Now, kind, know, so that's, kind of along the lines of that, what what would you say uh, is is the worst excuse you've heard for somebody kind of falling off the path or, or you know, missing out on training or something like that? Um. Well, the, the the worst excuse I had for someone missing training so far is always going to be in my mind, and he's here tonight. And I didn't kick him out for this. I just let him know, like, that's unacceptable. But um, he did not come in because Prince died, and it was three days later. Huh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um when, when and, we... this was not the, and this was not the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. <laughs> and I just and I and my mind was blown and I let him get away with it. And another one, uh, a guy missed training because um his girlfriend's puppy um is deathly allergic to Lily of the Valley or some kind of flower that's in her backyard. So he had to hand dig it all up one afternoon and couldn't make it into training. So that that was pretty odd to me. Um, yeah, that's that's a that's a weird one. Yeah, um, but you know, but also we we get we get also the ones that say um, I don't have time to train because now I'm just going to wrestle the indies and make a name for myself. When okay, you wrestle on the indies Saturday or Friday or Sunday. But why aren't you in Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday? Right. You know, but they think, you know, all they have to do is wrestle the Indies, you know, because everybody who got great in football, like, you know, they just had college games that got ready for the NFL. They didn't even practice, right? They just had college football games, right? Right. Or did they train, or did they train during that, set up a track record, which made the NFL want to invest in them? Then they went to the NFL and they kept that up. 
or did they just show up for 16 weeks a year and just hang out and, and sit on their asses? Yeah. You know what I mean? But right. the thing is, that's sad is there will be promoters that will go. They don't care. You show up. Like, I, I think they should have a thing like where you should not be able to book shows unless you train the talent. Okay. Because how else do you know anything about these kids or talk to people that train them? Sure. You know what I mean? Like, say if you're a booker, you should be calling up the person that trained them to find out more about them and to get updates with them. So everybody works together instead of just, okay, I'm going to play fantasy booker. Now I saw this guy. He looks good. Let me grab him. Well, he could be a complete idiot. And let me grab this guy. He looked good on TV and let me grab this guy. And now you got a locker room full of knuckleheads. Right. But, uh, you know, it is what it is, man. It's, uh, everybody says they want to change the business until they get that person wrestling for them. And then they're, they're they don't care anymore. But uh, I'm not that guy. Um, I just believe that there's a way you should do things and shouldn't do things. And when people don't do things the right way, you know, they're gone. Right. Or they're suspended or, or, or something like that. And, and we've done it in the past, and we'll, we'll continue to do it. And it might make me the bad guy, but, you know, I just stick to my guns and I do what I think is right. And I do it. Uh, I wish someone did for me a while back, you know, and to wake me up about things, so. It is what it is, man. Right. I mean, we, we, we kind of hesitated putting the question in there, but I figured you would have a couple good excuses for people to uh, to miss training. I'm sure, you know, you, you've heard them all. So we definitely wanted to hear what, like, the ones that, that stood out to you. Um, yeah, no problem, man. And, and you bring up a really good point. Uh, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding with, with your work. You brought up Anthony Bennett wrestling in the WWE Cruiserweight Classic. Um, we've seen QT Marshall wrestle in NXT. Uh, Punisher Martinez uh, in the top prospect tournament in Ring of Honor. Um, you, you mentioned uh, Riddle. He's, he's wrestling down in Evolve. Um, you know, your imprint well, also, is... Also, Leon St. Giovanni was in the top prospect tournament. That's right. I forgot about so that. Was, and so was Shaheem Ali. Mm-hmm. I mean, your and, your hands uh, are all over the wrestling scene. Um, do, you, do you get like a proud father feeling when you see your students succeeding I, like that? Absolutely, but then I also get the pissed off father feeling because, uh, like, for example, like, I know they put it on the website and everything that, that, that Anthony Bennett trained at the Monster Factory, and I thought that was awesome. But, but tonight when they did the live introductions, they said where almost, like, every person who was trained somewhere, where they trained except Bennett. So that pissed me off. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, the chip on my shoulder. Sure. It's like they're, they're saying, like, you know, such and such trained at Shawn Michaels School, such and such trained at Dragon Gate, such and such trained at blah, 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 such and such trained here, such and such Alex Wright. And then it's like Anthony Bennett loves Kid, uh, kid and Play. Like, <laughs> right. That's it? Yeah, good call, right? Like that's all you got? Yeah, no, I don't. That's all you got, Mauro? That's all you got, Mauro? <laughs> Come on, man. You're supposed yeah. to be the, the, big, the big time here. Yeah, he's, got, he's got to do you better than that. So it is what it is. At least it was on the website. And, you know, hey, I, you know, I can't, I can't fight everybody. I can just keep doing what I'm doing. And uh, for all I know, it was just a slight or a mess up. It is what it is. But uh, I just, I just get like that. Like, well, I'm like, shit, like you should be, you know, I should get something. Because I'm not getting money for this. Right. I can at least get some publicity. 
Sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a couple more questions here, and then and then we, uh, we'll let you go. We know you're, uh, you know, you, we know you're very busy. Uh, if you could go back, here's a, here's a question: If you could go back uh, to your time as a wrestler and make it to the WD, WWE, or watch one of your students today make it to, to the WWE, which would you pick? Uh, my student make it. I, I I'm not cut out to be a pro wrestler. I'm a better coach than I ever was a wrestler. Um, I'm more of a nurturer, like kind of like a father. I look out for all our kids and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I would much rather have all my students, if not one, if all of them just make it. And uh, I'd be more than happy. Awesome. Now, you uh, you have an event coming up this Saturday. Um, again, at the, the world-famous Munster Factory. It's in uh, Paulsboro, New Jersey. Um, take yep. a little bit of time. Can you explain... Um, what a fan can expect when they come to one of your shows. Um, and I know Anthony Bennett will be still wrestling at this show, correct? Yeah, Bennett will be there. He will be facing our supersonic champion, which is our cruiserweight division champion, Leon St. Giovanni. Uh, in the main event, it'll be Anthony Bennett versus Leon St. Giovanni. Um, we have the Beast Cartel, which is Nick Camarado. He just had his WWE tryout. Uh, he's a six foot four, two hundred seventy five pound monster. Uh, just a stud. Um, he'll be teaming up with Kyle when they have to take on Peyton Full, the uh, w, uh, the MFTW Tag Team Champions. Um, Punisher Martinez will be here. Cody Vance, the Heavenly Bodies, uh, Mikey Webb. It's just uh, uh, Vinny Marcel. Uh, I always screw up his name. The kid with all the tattoos, Vinny. Oh, Marcelia. <laughs> Marcelia. <laughs> yes, Marcelia. Thank you. No problem. God, in my head, I always want to say Marcegalia, and I'm just like, why do I keep saying this? Marcelia. We, we've actually had Vinny him on Marcellia the show, be... and, and I pronounced the G as a hard G as well, and, and we saw him then, I think, at a, at a local show, and he was like, you know, with this Marcelia, there's no, you don't pronounce the G hard, so I did the same thing. Yeah, so I'm just like, what the hell? It's Vinny with all the tattoos. Vinny with the tattoos. <laughs> He's a great guy. Yeah, he'll be taking on Mikey Webb, so it's, it's going to. And then, and our shows are family friendly. We get everybody really involved. It's a great atmosphere. It's not like in a in a corner lot in like a, a warehouse. Like you know, it's in a in a in a in a neighborhood with just a huge wrestling building right in the middle of the, in the middle of Paulsboro, and it's uh, plenty of parking. Um, just like I said, family friendly environment, and we're also doing free food from six to seven. Uh, just come on in and we feed you. And then uh, also what we got is at the end of it, we're doing uh, tours, backstage tours, where we just uh, we pull the curtains back and we, 10 by 10, we let you come into the back locker room and meet all the wrestlers and get pictures and autographs, and then we scoot you right out the front door. And it's only $10 and $15 for front row seats. You can't beat it. No, that's an amazing deal. Danny, we thank you uh, for joining us here tonight. Just before we let you go, uh, let people know where they can follow you, where they can follow the Monster Factory on social media. Hey, I just have to let you guys know one thing. we got this huge camp coming up. Okay. And it's open for any experience level. Uh, Whether you've been in the business 10 years or you're just curious about it, it's only $150. Three days. It's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, August 19th, 20th, 21st. We have Les Thatcher who will be in. Rudy Boy Gonzalez will be in, the one who actually trained, uh, you know, 
Daniel Bryan. We have in Matt Wyszynski, the former strength and conditioning coach from NXT. We have Bob Evans coming in. Uh, we have just, it's going to be a stacked roster of people to train. And it's going to be, it's not going to be one of those things where we just train for a couple hours and you're out. Like we're going to be going till like midnight. Plus we have a show and you can camp here. If you're coming, we have people coming from Oklahoma, Washington, Italy, all over the United States and beyond. And they're going to fly in. We'll pick them up at the airport and you guys can camp here for three days. It's only 150 bucks. Check it out at monsterfactory.org. It's called the MF Super Camp. So check it out. And uh, to follow me on social media, I handle all our social media. Um, there's the MFT. That is at the MFTW. That's uh, on Twitter. And then there's at the number four Monster Factory on Twitter and Instagram. And I am at the Danny Cage on Twitter and real Danny Cage on Instagram and Snapchat and monsterfactory.org. And we have our own network available on Roku, Chromecast, PlayStation 4, Xbox. And it's called the MF Network, the Monster Factory Network, the MF Network. All right, Danny, again, That's thank about you. it, man. All right, perfect. We thank you again for joining us. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you at a show down there real soon. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Hey, thank you, Danny, for joining us. All right, bye-bye.